Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome in. It is Monday evening as we are rolling along here on Hoopsville. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also join us... Um, well, we're on Instagram, at D3Hoopsville there as well, but uh, we don't tend to use that nearly as much. But you can also join us, um, well, where else? Um, well, Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. Hope you'll take advantage of them. Uh, you can email us too. It's all scrolling at the bottom of your screen, simulcasting on Facebook and YouTube. Um, there you go. There, got it all out of the way. Um... Interesting as we roll along, still a lot to talk about in Division Three. keeping some eyes on things. Concordia-Chicago story won't go away in men's basketball. You might remember uh, a hard practice at the end of December, it appears. Um, resulted in six players ending up in the hospital. Coach um, was put on at least some kind of suspension. Don't know the <clears throat> all the details as the school's not said specific details as to what kind of suspension a person was on. Anyway, there was an investigation that was taking place. He was allowed to come back at least to start administratively. Uh, team had to postpone, cancel, however you want to say, a handful of games in the conference. And then the athletic trainers all quit in Moss from what we can gather. According to reports, no one's disputed that either, though it's also, you know, an employment thing, so you don't always get all the information. Um, and that came back as being related to allowing the coach to come back. Thought we were going to move on from there because the school made it seem like the coach had all the um, support of the team. Now we're looking, last we checked, at a season that's been called off. On top of the fact that, well, it looks like they're just not going to play any more games. And we haven't had any ability to get to the bottom of it. Um, I have not been able to talk to anybody officially. We've not got anything from the school officially. Um, no one's gone on record to talk about anything with us. So, uh, and and honestly, today, I, I did not have a ton of time to try and dig into it. I keep saying this. I'll continue to work on that for the next show. And we'll see if we get anywhere with it. Maybe finally hear from someone on what's going on there. Not that it's related, but because it happened at the same time, Albion men's basketball continues to play. So it looks like um, they're moving forward with their situation. We don't know all the details there, but it at least seems like that program is moving forward. Um we mentioned, I forgot to mention actually on the last show, that there was another coaching change that was worthy of note. Warren Wilson, men's basketball coach, let go in, or resigned. We don't know the details. He was also the sports information director, so we didn't get a ton of information out of that. But the women's coach, who's also the athletics director, took over the program. She's now coached in two games, believed to be the first woman head coach of a Division Three men's program. Got a win, I believe, but I'd have to double-check if it was against a Division Three opponent. Their schedule's kind of a mix of Division Three and non-Division Three as they continue to transition into Division Three. Um, unknown why their men's coach left. And then we got more news today. Centenary, New Jersey men's basketball coach left. The, this, the, the word we're getting 
was it wasn't by choice. He departed, um, I guess, late last week. He was coaching against Cabrini on Wednesday. He was not coaching against Newman on Saturday. Um, he's been removed from the website. Um, they have an interim head coach there. Can't get to the bottom of that either. Um, didn't have a ton of time. I did ask around today. No one seems to have a lot of information as to what happened. Um, so just some interesting notes in Division Three. Not necessarily all with major programs, obviously, but uh, just things that have certainly captured our attention. And we'll keep continue to continue. We'll continue to watch that. So that's three men's coaches, by the way, that have stepped or have been removed, stepped down, quit, fired. Who knows? Um, all of them probably different so far this season. One women's coach. That was uh, Rose Holman's head coach on the women's side. Of course, they called off their entire season, uh, and he resigned as a result of it. So kind of interesting. Don't know what to make of it. It is what it is. And so here we are. Uh, for those of you joining us Facebook, sorry for the delay. Um, apparently, um, our stream didn't auto-start like it normally does. But uh, Facebook, we're now up and streaming now. So missed missed all that beginning news. We apologize for that. But... Welcome into the show, nonetheless, on Facebook. Um, great basketball this past week. Obviously, Keene State and Middlebury played a week ago. That was a tremendous game. Um, I enjoyed watching Illinois Wesleyan and Wheaton, though wow, Wheaton escaped that one uh, with a lucky call, in my opinion, at the end. Did not seem that the foul at the very end at the buzzer was a foul. Um, honestly, I think that was grounds for a flop call, in my opinion. Uh, I don't. I don't think you go flying, even if there was contact to the hands. Um, but you know, I, I it it is what it is. You you got to you got to play what the officials called. They called that a foul. Went up, banged uh, two of the three free throws in. And, and by the way, Illinois Wesleyan had a brilliant attempt at the very end that nearly went. Uh, they threw a 90-foot laser of a pass to a guy wide open inside. And he's turning to look at the basket, and I thought he was going to put it up, and I thought it was going to count. They only had, what, four-tenths of a second, and I, and I think he had enough time to do it. But the ball slipped through his fingers just as he was going up to shoot. Uh, otherwise, I think Illinois Wesley was going to come out with a layup there and win the game. I, I was a, It was a bonkers finish. But hats off to Wheaton for escaping there. It's a good Illinois Wesleyan team. It's just taken a couple of tough losses and not top 25 considered. Williams-Middlebury, pretty good game in itself as well. Middlebury, again, that's two huge games they played this week and came away with victories. Hats off to them. Women's side, staying in the NESCAC, G.P. Gromacki's uh, Mammoth squad, for the first time under his guidance, have lost three games in the conference. It just can't make it up. Listen, we saw him in Vegas. I don't think that's that is nowhere close to the, to a team I'm used to seeing out of Amherst. Still good, but certainly not world beaters. And I think GP was honest when I talked to him about the status of his team and where they would be and what he's trying to get accomplished with that program. I don't think in any way, shape, or form this is surprising him. He's got a very young team, a very short bench. Um, so I'm not surprised they're struggling. But I'm also used to Amherst squads on the women's side figuring things out after a loss 
And uh, I don't think they have yet. So interesting developments there. And I'm not even touching 90% of the women's action. But it does pivot me to the fact that there are some great games tonight on the scoreboard, at least on the women's side. And they're in New England. Um, we were going to have Tufson is taking on Smith. That game just tipped off. Um, Trinity, the 17th ranked versus 11th ranked Babson. That uh, is late in the third. We'll keep an eye on that one. Babson with a one point lead. So we'll keep an eye on that finish. So just some good basketball all around tonight that we'll keep an eye on. Speaking of uh, other things, speaking of the show, we should at least mention who's on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. The sign is not up, as you can see. Uh, we will get that up here later in the show for those of you watching. My number one Transylvania women's basketball coach, Julie Folks, will join us on the program, talk about uh, her team. We'll also talk to, um, sorry, <laughs> brain just totally went sideways there while thinking about things. Um Give me a second. We're going to go out to Laverne to the Skyac Conference. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, we'll talk women's basketball out there. Uh, Jul- uh, I'm going to say his last name wrong, and I apologize. I want to double-check I have it right, so bear with me here. Um, here's the tweet I'm looking for. So Tra- Transylvania Julie Folks, Laverne's women's basketball coach Jason Pruitt. That's what I was trying to figure out. Then we'll switch gears, talk Montclair men's basketball with Justin Pops, Potts, and then we'll go to Middlebury, not talk to Jeff Brown, but we'll talk to Alex Sobel of the uh, Panthers. And I'm just curious. We called the show Just Jumpers. A little quiz question for you any out there paying attention. Why is the letter J so important tonight? Uh, if you figure that out, you let me know. I don't think it's that hard to figure out, but I think it's interesting nonetheless. Uh, new Top 25 is out, especially on the men's side of things. Uh, women's is not out just as of yet. But on the men's side, Week Gates top 25 is out. St. Joseph's, no change. No change to the top three. As Randolph, Macon, and Mount Union encompass that. Christopher Newport is now into the fourth slot, moving up five. Middlebury moves up six to a, from 11 to five after their tremendous weekend. They're ahead, or week. They're ahead of Keene State, who fell from four to six. Normally, I'm not a huge proponent of a team like Keene losing spots, but you got to move Middlebury into the spot. Makes sense. Wheaton moved up one, Carroll up one, Swarthmore up one, Williams fell four. Uh, a little heavy-handed, in my opinion, though. There's a good debate on Twitter, though I have not read all of it, regarding individuals wondering why Guilford is not ahead of Williams. I'm one who does not have Guilford ahead of Williams. Williams has two losses. I think they're playing well. They played well against Middlebury. Guilford has, what, three losses, right, if memory serves? Yep, three losses. They did have a 2-0 week against Roanoke and Virginia Wesleyan. I did move them up. Uh, I had them further down, but I think they're going to take uh, more dings in the in the ODAC than Williams is. And really, in in the grouping that those two sit, I could flop them six ways to Sunday. But anyway, that's my quick thought. We'll have a top 25 conversation with uh, Akiva Poppers and Michael Rainiak coming up later in the program. Uh, Rochester's at 11. They moved, fell four spots after losing to Brandeis. Uh, Johns Hopkins moved up a spot. WPI up spot, Guilford up three to 14th. St. Thomas uh, down one. I think that's just a positioning thing more than anything. Emory up two. Um, I know I'm kind of in no man's land with Emory. They went 2-0 and this weekend while Rochester went 1-1 one one against the same opponents. Right? No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, I think I'm right there. I always get that back. I think I, think I have that right. We'll double check it real quick. I think they played the same opponents. Um... 
Oswego up three to 17. Calvin up three to 18. Claremont, Claremont Mud Scripps down four to 19. Um, I didn't treat them that harshly because it's a conference loss. I think to some degree you kind of get used to conference losses. And yes, I was right. Amory and Brandeis did, of course, play the same two opponents. They're the partners. I always go back to the old days when those weren't necessarily the partners. Uh, the two, Car- Carnegie and uh, and um, Case Western, weren't together. They, they had a different setup a number of years ago. Uh, lacrosse up to 3 to 20. Trine fell from 16 to 21. Mary Hart and Baylor uh, moved up to Nazareth, moved up to Oshkosh and Hamden, Sydney into the top 25, while Case Western Reserve and Wash U dropped out. Women's top 25, again, has not been updated. So there you go. Um, so, again, we'll have um, women's basketball with Julie Folks we'll, from Transylvania. We'll talk to uh, Jason Pruitt, the head coach at Laverne on the women's side. We'll talk to Justin Potts, head coach on the Montclair side. Then talk to Alex Sobel, the senior forward, not Jeff Brown, the head coach of Middlebury. That'll come up. And then uh, Michael Raniak and Akiva Poppers will join us for the top 25. So there you go. That's the men's side of or how the show's scheduled to go tonight. You got questions for us? You know how to get a hold of us? Certainly look forward to hearing from all of you and what is going on. Um, there's plenty to talk about in Division Three, And we also should point out real quick before we take a break, reminder, Thursday show will be at 1 o'clock Eastern live. We'll be talking to both committee chairs. I suppose we're going to get more information from those committee, or at least the men's committee sometime this week is what we've heard. But uh, Sarah Quadraki, the chair of the uh, men's committee, and Megan Wilson, the chair of the women's committee, will join us live on the show. In other words, if you have questions for those committee chair members, get them to us before the show airs on Thursday. We won't be able to take questions inside the show because I'll be a little bit too hyper-focused on the segment. Um, we have big announcements in terms of programming coming up, so stay with us. Uh, but obviously, details about the marathon and other programs that we'll have on the sh- uh, in the next five weeks, because we are five weeks from um, Selection Monday. So, or matchup Monday. So, uh, lots of programming announcements. So, stay with us on Twitter uh, and so much more. We also have possible programming change coming up on February 20th, but we'll cross that bridge a little bit closer to that point. So, there you go. Take a break. When we come back, we'll get rolling on our interviews. Julie Folks will join us from Transylvania. We'll even see why the men's basketball coach might be their biggest cheerleader. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. So much more ahead. Your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. 
and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. What are you up to, Coach Lane? Hello, Coach Hannah. What are you doing? It's game day, baby. It's game day. The trans I gotta put some signs up. Transylvania women's basketball, seven o'clock at the Beck Center. Look at that. It's beautiful. Seven o'clock. The number two ranked team in the nation. Don't know if you look lately, but the nation's big. 440 Division III schools. We're undefeated. We're 16. 17, what are we? I think 16. 16, 16 and 0. Last year we were 27 and 1. 1. 27 and 1 last year. We're 16, 17 and 0 this year. Transylvania women's basketball versus Hanover, 7 p.m. tonight at the Beck Center. The place is going to be rocking. You got to join us. Got to love Brian Lane. He is the biggest promoter of anything, anything. I mean, anything. He promotes anything. He had even a goofy video about the fact that the Division Three golf championships are heading to Vegas in a few years. He has figured out at least the video side of things, and he tells me he grabbed an assistant on the women's team and said, come here. I have a feeling she had no idea what she was getting into. I don't know if she appreciated what she was getting into, but Brian Lane pimped the heck out of the women's basketball team on a game last week where he had nothing to do with it. He was just putting out signs. Gotta love Brian and thank him for sharing the video with us, which is our segue into talking about the second ranked uh, Transylvania women's basketball team, Julie Folks' squad, once again playing well, undefeated. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline, the aforementioned Julie Folks, not the Brian Lane out there, not to confuse everybody. Coach, first and foremost, um, do you pay Brian for all that PR? <laughs> Uh, you know, he is one of our best promoters. I, I should have him on the payroll for sure. But, you know, there there are other things that we do to help Brian out um, with the scheduling. And so we, we have our different ways that we help each other. But he is a awesome uh, partner in basketball. And we're, we're really grateful to, to have him. And I have been involved in nine years now, a lot of videos with Brian Lane for every topic imaginable. So uh, but he is the best, and, and thank you for having us on. We always appreciate getting a chance to come on and, and talk with you about our team. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, I saw the Lane video, and at first I'm like, wow, he, he does his own promotion. He's out there trying to get his own team, the, the PR, to get someone to the Bass Center to see the game. Oh, 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 he's talking about the women's team. Okay, great. I'm sure this is a double head. He's not even mentioning his team. Yep. He's he's only talking women. It's almost like I wanted to call him up and go, Brian, you have a team too, <laughs> sir. Well, he, you know, we were the single game at home that night, so he is he is our best promoter, and uh, he is a great ally for our team. So we are super appreciative of him. No, absolutely. He's terrific and uh, just having some fun with him, and I appreciate him sharing the video with him. I don't think he knew what exactly I wanted to get out of it, but uh, now he does. Yep, perfect. Okay. <laughs> Coach, obviously, good team on your hands. Uh, it'd be, it's been the case for a few years. Clearly, what you 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 made an impact when you got there. It was building, building. It it is it continued to improve. I, I I don't know if you were hoping to get number one when there are a few losses by Hope and NYU and all and and Trinity moved ahead of you. But at the same time, are you, what's it like to just know you've got a program that most voters consider a top five program? Well, I, I think it's it's always an honor to be at the top uh, and a, a good reflection of not only what they've accomplished this year, but the last few years. As we both know, it takes a little while to kind of build up to that. And, you know, we've done it different ways. I will say, I think this is probably the first time ever anybody would say they're now there because they're a defensive team. Um, I think that even caught us off guard last year a little bit, that that became the true the true part. But, you know, from all of the the years of doing this, you know, we know how much that defensive part matters, and it mattered last year in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, I was proud of the team. We brought back nearly everybody this year, and we started where we left off last year, which I think has played into a lot of the success that this is a group that is really committed to defending and rebounding and, and doing really well at that. Well, that is the difference. You, you are a team that is a battler, for lack of a better description, in the sense of that you're shutting teams down a little bit, and now your offense has room to breathe is that a good yeah. way of saying that I, I think that's a great way of saying it i think in the past it felt like you know we've, we've always shot a lot of threes and that's a part of our offense but there was definitely this part of man if we're not shooting it well are we going to be able to score enough points and that has now flipped to okay we have a pretty good idea of what our defense is going to be able to do and so you know on those nights that we haven't shot it well we've been able to pick up enough points rebounding and and some of the things we've always done but there's certainly there's much more of a cushion. You know, I think right now we're at 46 points per game. That's a pretty good cushion for the offense, um, you know, and to, to score well. And um, But that said, you know, last year when we played Trine, we didn't play well offensively and the defense did great and we needed to do a better job on that end. So we are committed to having both sides be better. Well, it's certainly a big difference. Um, 46 points a game just wasn't in the conversation a few years yeah. back. When you look, though, at what you have as a conference, it doesn't seem to be presenting the challenge that maybe you all need as you get ready for March. So how do you as a team, obviously not overlook the conference. Yeah, anybody absolutely can not. <laughs> right. But at the same time, prepare yourselves for what you described, the trying games and all those others that are coming down the road. Yeah. You know, I think – you know, the conference has had several different parts that I think have been really challenging for us. We have a lot of really good shooters in the conference um, and three teams that are shooting the ball really well. And so, you know, it's not much of a secret anymore. We're playing a lot of zone and that, you know, some teams have done a really good job stretching the zone and making us have to choose. And I think, you know, in some ways, maybe that's what the conference helps us do the most. It is teams that have seen us a lot 
And so they're presenting some different strategies of things that we haven't seen. And so each game we've gone in, you know, we've seen a couple different looks. You know, we played at Mount St. Joe two weeks ago and they had a they had a different look that we hadn't seen. And that took us, you know, the first half to kind of adjust. And so we've seen some of that, um, which I think has been really helpful because now, you know, two years into it, people understand what we do on offense and understand what we do on defense. And some of the the beauty of going into the NCAA tournament last year was, you know, people that hadn't seen what we've done and, and didn't know it kind of inside now on offense and defense. And in some ways that gave us a little bit more flexibility to run some of the things that, you know, the conference opponents do and, and do, do you know, do a good job taking away. And so, you know, I think it's been helpful on both sides where, you know, when we go and play Hanover last week and they were undefeated in conference play, we knew they they, they understood how to challenge us. And I thought they did a great job keeping us off the boards and, you know, keeping us off the free throw line. Uh, and some of those things that they were really committed to. Um, and so I think it just pr- it plays out differently. Um, but on the flip side, we are trying to be really aggressive in practice right now and making sure that we're trying to simulate and add some pressure to different things that maybe we aren't seeing right now. Yeah, I was going to bring up the Hanover game. Obviously, they're the ones in, se- in second, or it should be obvious yeah. to me, maybe not to others. But you had a twist with the conference schedule rose home and you guys played earlier in the season and then they called the season off not a not long after that game actually not that i'm blaming yeah. you yeah we were we were their last their last game and you know and as oh, it was a, yours okay yeah yeah and as a women's college you know basketball coach that was obviously really disheartening you never yeah. want to see a program especially for where they have been and you know i mean just three four short years ago they're you know top 25 and and you know yeah. unbelievable opponent um, and they still have quite a bit of talent there. So, you know, that was disheartening. I felt bad for their team. You know, that last game of the year was a very emotional. It was, honestly, it was emotional for our team, too, to have to watch, you know, another team not get to play out their season. And But that did, you know, that created some unique things. Having a bye, you know, the third weekend of January was an interesting reset. Uh, probably, you know, as good for the coaches as anybody else to have a, you know, a weekend to kind of, you know, refocus and, and that certainly changed things. We, you know, we went much harder than we would normally go on a Friday, Saturday, Monday uh, for practice and tried to actually get a lot out of those three practices when there, we weren't game prepping. So that was definitely different. Um, and in some ways that kind of happened at the beginning of January last year when we lost four conference games to COVID. So, um, you know, there are some trying to find some positives as to not having games and getting in more practices than you normally do this time of year. You, so you guys knew that that was their last game? Oh, uh, we had a really good inclination. Yes. Oh, okay. Sure. No, that's they, fine. They I, announced it that week. They announced it right after that game. Yeah, I, I realized that. Yeah. I just I wasn't yeah. sure the dynamics and 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 yeah. it almost a little reminiscent of of COVID a bit there. Yeah. Um, uh, those years where you know you know may not be playing for much after that. Um, yeah. Obviously, you made the game up with John Carroll, and I looked. You you have this. You know, there's been conversations about the schedule. You know, I've talked about it. Trying to find that balance, trying to find the challenges, so you are ready for March, but also to tell everybody just how real you guys are. <laughs> and it, I feel like you almost got bit by uh, an unfortunate bug this year because the beginning of the season's Concordia, Texas, and Texas Dallas, but that's a Texas Dallas team no longer under Polly Thomason. Yeah, didn't really have the weapons it normally has. Uh, you have a couple others in the schedule, including conference foes that are normally a little bit more challenging. But you picked up a game against John Carroll because of that loss to Bluffton. Yeah. That felt like a really good game to pick up, though not in January, but in right. some degree yeah. it didn't matter, right? Yeah, you know, and that's um, 
you know, when we did our schedule, it was, you know, we schedule generally, you know, September, October of last year. So we were coming out of COVID and still not knowing what type of season we would have last year and whether games would be played. Um, And certainly we thought we would be pretty good. We, you know, you probably couldn't have convinced me we were going to be 27 and one at quite (laughs) yet in October, Uh, you know, and so moving forward. You know, there are some parts of the schedule, and, and as you know, in Division Three, we're scheduling way out, and there are a lot of budgetary uh, yeah. parts that go into it. And, and every year, we've been very fortunate. We've been able to fly most years and, and try to go pick up those top games. And when we scheduled those, uh, Polly was there, and I called Polly and said, hey, are, you know, we've never been to Texas. They want to come to Texas. We try to let our seniors pick every year uh, where they're going to go. And so... You know, and so there's just parts of that. Um, obviously, if we could have advanced our schedule this year, we would have been really happy to do that. Sure. Um, but with that said, you know, Wisconsin Lutheran, you couldn't have guessed that they were going to lose one of their top players out for the yeah. season with an injury and, and some other things. So, you know, those parts played out how they did. And, um, you know, we just keep trying to do the best we can with the schedule that we have. And the John Carroll game, you know, that comes back to also having just an absolutely, you know, outstanding athletic director that – we traded a home game for a long road trip with, you know, a bus for a couple of days and a couple of nights hotel. And that's uh, that came with some financial uh, challenges and um, really grateful that we found a way to do that on top of, you know, it's not as simple as just getting a game. It's, you know, finding somebody we can play. And we we knew we were going to have to travel if we were going to pick up a game and um, being able to do that, uh, that, you know, that came down to having also just a, a great athletic director. Certainly, everybody being on board makes a, a big difference. I know you and I were chatting behind the scenes, and just about the time I was getting ready to fire off an email, like, I think this might be available. You're like, hey, guess what? And I was I was thrilled <laughs> it came together uh, that yeah, quickly. So, well, and I appreciate your help because I was like, well, I you know, sent you an email because I'm like, well, you'll at least know if there's somebody that we can play. And, uh, you know, and it's always good to pick up OAC games. I mean, they're just True. obviously, you know, incredibly challenging league didn't realize uh, there were a few other teams that popped up because I was the, my semi segue to the fact that there's the d3hoops.com classic was we lost a couple of women's teams yeah. who couldn't make it out there but speaking of which Brian's been out there to Vegas I'm just saying you oh, two get I together <laughs> figure this out send both teams out there both we'd teams. love to have you yeah no that would be that would be an absolutely awesome trip so oh, just saying <laughs> Just something. Uh, yeah, it's on. right. It was right there. Don't, I have not forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll keep reminding you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, let's I appreciate talk- that you guys do that. I think it's a great, uh, you know, a great way to get women's hoops on the, you know, with the men every year on board and get some of the top teams there. Yeah, we 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 certainly love it. Obviously, we're a little bit biased. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's pivot and talk about your team before I let you go, because what's interesting about this squad is it is obviously senior laden. Not a surprise, as we're still dealing with the ramifications of the COVID year. But what's really interesting to me is usually you start seeing some underclassmen kind of up in the top. The top four scorers, and I, and I know it's yeah. not all about that number, but the top four scorers are all seniors. And then yeah. we finally see a junior and other underclassmen kind of uh, present themselves there. And that's that's just a different dynamic. Sometimes those younger underclassmen are able to step in. This senior group is that good. You know, this senior group is really talented. Um, and, you know, we've been really fortunate to have them and, and build, you know, and, and to be fair, like they also had to kind of buy their time their freshman and sophomore years as they were playing behind you know, another core group that was really good. Um, And, you know, I think they've done a really good job building for two years. Um, And in some ways, because of who came before them, you know, they they certainly had to kind of wait their time too. Sure. Um, But, 
they are they are the core of what we've done the last two years. Um, you know, Sydney, our, our current starter, she stepped in for our other junior who uh, had a knee injury. So they've both kind of dealt with knee injuries, but Sydney missed the entire year last year um, out with a knee injury. Uh, I think we tried to get her back for a little bit and it just didn't work. And so, you know, that was part of the challenge with the class below is they had some injuries. Um, and our sophomores, you know, we have a few. Last year, it felt like we were going into the, you know, we were in the NCAA tournament with the four juniors and our two seniors and then playing freshmen. Um, and so, you know, the freshmen had moved forward to sophomores. And I think that's probably the biggest difference between last year and this year right now is, you know, we are getting more pull from our, our underclassmen. And while they're not getting quite as much as the scoring responsibility, they're able to score in different ways. And and that has been the challenge. You know, Sydney has been shooting the heck out of the ball as our fifth starter. And so that makes double teaming any of the four seniors really, really hard. And that's the pressure we try to put on everybody every game is, you know, you figure out where you want to help from, and we're going to try to figure out how to exploit that. And the seniors have given us that flexibility. I, you know, it's two guards and two post players. And so if you're trying to double down, it gives the front, you know, the guards a lot of space. And if you're trying to play everybody one-on-one, it gives the guards a lot of space. And, and they're really, um, their biggest strength is their willingness to share the ball. It's, it's truly a team that does not care who gets the credit as long as they win. And, and that has been their strength for two years. They like to find ways to win and they don't care what that way is. Definitely a damned if you do, damned if you don't type scenario, yeah. uh, which makes you guys a threat. I, and I was going to kind of turn out of that. You had that youth, per se, the, the lack of a senior class last year in that tournament, and you now pivot towards not focusing on the tournament, but we're at the back end of the of the season now. We're looking at regional rankings. We're going to be looking at conference playoffs and trying to position oneself. How much is that last year's experience going to help you with this year's hopeful run or to some degree is it in the river mirror and gone you know i think it's both they the first time you do anything is hard you know and so you know playing in the sweet 16 playing in the elite eight those are really different experiences that come with all sorts of really fun and you know great things but on the, the flip side there is the unknown of you know I, I remember last year talking to one of our now seniors and you know, kind of felt that pressure of really not knowing, hey, where do we stack up nationally? Uh, you know, we'd played Tufts and played John Carroll, but still, you know, not having gone that deep in the tournament, there, you know, there was the unknown. And so, you know, while we anything can happen in the NCAA tournament, I think that is still a part of, they have a pretty good sense of where they feel like they rank and they have really big expectations. And, the, you know, the confidence is a part that always matters. You know, there has to be a real belief that you can go in and win these games. And I think that part plays out over and over. And I've seen it play out plenty of times where, you know, how, how that belief affects things in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter really matters. And and we have a team that expects to find a way to win, and that usually plays out that they find a way to win. Hmm. Um, but their memories also serve them of, you know, during the COVID year, we, you know, we went through some conference losses that – um, you know, they, they remember what that's like. And last year we had two conference games that came down to the wire on the road and won in overtime. So while they are really confident in their abilities, they also are really grounded in the reality of any kind of night. Things can go, yeah. you know, go sideways and you just got to find a way to, to grit through whatever is going wrong and, and still be, be on top at the end. Makes total sense. And obviously it's, it's also what you hope will happen and then you need to see it come together. Yes. But again, <laughs> Seven-point loss to a really 
darn good trying squad in in that round knocking on the doorstep of final four that's that's a huge step forward for a program and, and i tip my hat i know you guys certainly proved a lot of i don't want to say naysayers but i think those who just had questions yeah you helped answer those questions and now you're back and that's why you're sitting at number two in the top 25 and and certainly respected for that so congratulations on on what you've been able to do um Again, let's let's maybe give Brian a little bit of a tidbit or a little cash on the side. I don't know something. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep finding ways to help help the men's staff out. And and honestly, I mean, you know, they they've played absolutely great at home. They had some early yeah. season injuries that they had to work through, and uh, you know, they kind of they're getting things turned and rolling again. So it'll be fun to watch them play down the stretch. Speaking of which, do I have this right? I think you sent it to me earlier, and I just drew a blank. But home Bass Center. Uh, not too shabby on the women's side, though it's uh, a tornado hiding spot for me uh, <laughs> uh, due, to, due to my visits. But you have not lost at home since 2017. Uh, we haven't. We've only uh, conference games. We haven't lost a conference, conference game games. Conference games. December of 2017. So that's ridiculous. It, it's a it's a long record at this point, um, and I don't think even really hit us until the beginning of last year when we were trying to kind of go back and find something. We're like, oh wow, it's it's been a while, but our graduating seniors last year never lost a home conference game. So, wow. um, which, you know, that is, it's crazy to think about now that we are over five years and, and yeah. building. Um, and they take a lot of pride in playing at home and that matters to them that they, you know, that they keep the streak alive. Yeah. Well, impressive. And you've got a streak going now. That's certainly impressive as well. Just one loss in the last two seasons. Not too shabby, to say the least. Uh, Coach, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. As always, we give the uh, the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Uh, well, you know, it's always a thank you for you. Everything you do for you know Division Three hoops and all the sports, really. Uh, we you know we appreciate it, and you guys do it with such class. And you know that that it's just a big boost to the whole sport and to our athletes who get to follow along. So I really appreciate everything you do. Well, thanks, Coach. That's uh, awfully kind of you to say. We appreciate it. And obviously, you coming on the show makes us be able to do our show better. So it, it's a quid pro quo. Yeah. Well, you know, anytime you get invited, it usually means things are going well. So Usually. Um, you know, so it's fun for us. <laughs> yeah, usually. There's some exceptions, but usually. <laughs> hey, well, thanks so much. Take care. Enjoy uh, the rest of the season. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. All right. Thanks so much, Dave. Julie Folks joining us on the Blue, Fra- Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Easy for me to say, right? Uh, great job by the Transylvania. 17-0 this season, 9-0 in conference play. They were 27-1 last year, 13-0 in, in conference action. They've only lost two conference games dating back to the 2018-2019 season. Pretty impressive. We'll take a break. We'll head all the way out to the West Coast to talk about a team maybe no one's talking about. The Laverne women's basketball team having a really good season. We'll talk about them coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% will go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Didn't have my ducks in a row there. Apologies. Hope everybody is well and listen to Hoopsville here uh, and enjoying the program. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook and YouTube where we're simulcasting the show. Facebook is Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. YouTube is YouTube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Daniel Walker says, guess I'll need to watch some Transylvania games this week. Thanks for what you do in D3Hoops. Have to leave connectivity issues. Well, Dan, thanks for taking the time to watch. Really appreciate that. Um, speaking of great night of basketball, we mentioned it earlier. Trinity and Babson are finished, and Trinity, Connecticut is now 17-1 on the season. They came back to beat Babson 65-61. Um, they had a bonkers, I'm saying bonkers a lot tonight. They had a really good second half. It really was a tale of two halves. Babson had a 22-12 lead at the end of the first quarter, and they won, or they were leading at halftime 34-26. But Trinity outscored them 18-11 in the third and 21-16 in the fourth to win by four. Uh, So great comeback by Trinity. Both teams shot 40% from the floor. Babson was 8 of 11 from beyond the arc. Both teams shot well from the uh, free throw line, so a really good game there. But that's a big win for the Trinity women's team. Um, Women's basketball continues to get better, and that's pretty awesome to see. Uh, Making a pivot, we're going to go out to the West Coast, talk Laverne. One thing that caught my attention, in part thanks to their sports information director, of course, was the fact that they promote the fact that that when the student athlete comes to this women's basketball program, I'll be blunt, winning isn't everything. And let's be honest, for most of Division III schools, it isn't everything. There's a lot of other goals in place, including making sure those players get degrees and are able to do something with their education. This is what something they promote and something I thought worth um, bringing to your attention before we talk to Coach. When it comes to graduation, it's the gift and the curse. We graduate so many kids that we're constantly rebuilding our roster. You know, it kind of gets old sometimes, but then you get that new assignment because you're getting an entire new group 
of student athletes to come in here and flourish it while they came to Division Three is the academic side of it. So I think over the last three, four years, over 35 kids we have lost, but every year we got 10 or 11 more coming in. Um, from the time we find out they're coming to the University of Laverne, we sit down with them. We map out a plan for them. We put them on the track to graduate. Freshmen, if they come in here and they do what they're supposed to do, they can get out in three to three and a half years. A junior college kid with an associate's degree can come in and get out in three semesters. So it just depends on the circumstance for the student athlete that we're recruiting, but we also put a heavy, heavy emphasis on graduation. That's the first thing we do is map out their, their route to graduation because you got to remember, they're here to graduate. They're here because their academic success is allowing them to play Division Three athletics, and that's the model of Division Three: academics first, then athletics, and then you put them two together, you have a healthy balance, and we're flipping our roster again, once again, but it's a good problem to have. And joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the aforementioned Jason Pruitt, the head coach of this Laverne women's basketball team. And coach, I'll say, uh, pretty impressed that, well, first off, in your season, and we'll certainly talk a lot more about that, but I'm really impressed that you're just that upfront with it. I mean, it's not a secret in Division Three. Obviously, it's about graduating. It's about preparing your student-athletes, et cetera. But you guys are just flat-out honest, and, and you'll do it a little quicker than the norm. Yeah, we are. Uh, one thing about the University of Laverne is we do not try to hold you here longer than what you need to be here. So if you come in and you stick to the plan and you stick to the course, you know, freshmen can graduate in three years, three and a half. And, you know, junior college transfers can get out in three semesters, you know, so the system is actually built to get you out of here and get you started in life. That's tip of the hat. I, obviously, there's a lot of vast majority, almost all Division three schools, they want you to graduate. They want you to be prepared for the future. They want you to get that degree, et cetera. But you guys obviously um, have it as maybe of a, a bigger focus if it's three and a half instead of four years, et cetera. But that has an impact on the team. And so you're not looking at maybe having an injured player stick around another year or two to play or maybe covid students stick around that extra extra year or two that they got I, and it's not everything's uh, equal there I'm, I'm sure some do for whatever their various reasons are and I'm guessing as a result winning the conference isn't priority number one being in the NCAA tournament isn't priority number two how how does that go over with recruiting when you are at least trying to be competitive no so the misconception is I am trying to win this conference and I, there am we go. Trying, and I am trying to make it a tournament appearances. That's why we're selective with the young ladies that we bring in and they know up front. So we actually go through and do a transcript evaluation. We tell these young ladies, hey, come in with an associate's degree from junior college. You can do X, Y, and Z. You can graduate. Uh, with COVID happening, um, we finished with a pretty good team that year. Uh, COVID took away a team that would probably be as good as this team we have now. Um, the coach in me wanted to re-recruit those kids, but those kids got jobs. I mean, they went out into the real world. Thankfully, I had two return from last year's team that we made the playoffs for the first time and whenever. And then I have one on the team this year, DeJanae Gill, that's, that's just been terrific, terrific for us. She actually came back, started her master's program last year 
and was able to play and graduate this year. So no, winning winning is a priority. Winning conference is a priority, but um, you know, graduation is the biggest priority because we're we're recruiting kids that normally Division three do not recruit because we probably have one of the most diverse rosters on the West Coast, uh, and it's been like that my five or six years here. Give, give me more about why, because I think for some they may not understand that dynamic, why you think it's or feel it's more diverse, and why you're aiming for students that most in Division Three aren't. I, I'd love to know more about your, your thinking there. You know, coming from an independent school that had success and then coming from an NAIA program that was successful here, I kind of kept that same model, but since I'm now at Laverne, I'm able to go into those inner-city schools those rural schools, those schools and demographics where some people may not be comfortable going into those neighborhoods because they do have Division Three kids. Those kids do not know about Division Three because no one has been into those school districts. No one has been into those classrooms. So it's basically, you know, we all we look around, people recruit who they're comfortable recruiting with. You know, I'm, rec- I'm comfortable recruiting everyone. So if it's a kid that has grades, I'm going to get them. If the kid is in this part of the neighborhood where some people don't want to go because after dark, guess what? I'm in that gym after dark. Uh, if I'm in a neighborhood where I may, may get pulled over because I'm the only person that looked like me in that neighborhood, guess what? I'm going in that neighborhood getting those, ki- getting those kids. If they're Division three and they're academically qualified to get into the burn, I'm going to get those kids. Well, and, that's the other, and that's the other key here is the academic side of it. You are at a pretty good, reputable, I mean, most of the, the entire SCIAC is a very reputable uh, conference in terms of the academic standards at those institutions. So you talk about going into the inner cities, and we all know, forgive the term, there are diamonds in the rough there. There's more than just a couple of diamonds. There's a lot of them. So you do have that battle. Which comes first? Do you find out who's got the grades and you go see how they play? Or do you see how they play and then go figure out their grades? You know, it's either or. I have been in California for 12 years now. So like I said, I started independent NAI. So I have a good core of coaches that know of the type of kids that we have always sure. recruited. So as the academics got better at the institutions I went, now those coaches are flooding me with those kids that they know they can get into Laverne. So it, it was a win-win for both. You know, we'll, we'll take a look at anyone. We do have a developmental team. Um, a lot of coaches use it against me in our conference. Oh, don't go to Laverne. You're going to end up on the developmental team. We don't recruit anyone for the developmental team. You play where you, where you where your talent puts you at. You you make that decision when, when you get here. I, we don't say, hey, you're coming here to play here. Your your play decides that. But, you know, we've been able to use that as a tool, tool to, to grow our kids. This year we played 14 junior college games, you know, and I have noticed other teams on the West Coast are now doing developmental teams, getting those JV teams in. A couple of years ago, we had a team from Minnesota come out and play, and they flew their whole JV team out to play our JV team. So I just think it's a Midwest trend or mm-hmm. East Coast trend that's just now coming to the West Coast because, like, I'm originally from Alabama and spent a lot of time in the Midwest. West, Cincinnati and Indianapolis. And I noticed all of those NAIs and D3 all had JVs. So when I got out here on the West Coast, I was like, hey, this is another way to boost our roster and to develop players that we think need more developing instead of throwing them to the fire. The good thing about that developmental team is you don't have to go to junior, you don't have to go to junior college if you don't want to, because you can come here and stay on track to still graduate in three and then work on your master's degree and later. So the joke is, you know what? I'd rather have you later than now. 
because I know later you're going to be more mature and ready to go than getting you in your first year if you do have to spend that year on the developmental team. No, there's absolutely a ton of truth to that. And and developmental teams are, you know, the, I, I think it's uh, dealer's choice or, or the tastes of whomever. But to be honest, as we get closer and closer to the proverb, per, proverbial cliff, of whether it's 2025 or 2026 when enrollment's supposed to drop, those developmental teams can be helpful because that's more enrollment. Yeah, we're going a little inside baseball there, but you're helping a little bit with the enrollment side of that fact uh, to help Laverne in some ways. That's that's let's just argue 15 more bodies that are coming on campus, but it helps you. It helps the team. It helps them. And it gives, as you said, opportunities to those who may not have had it in the first place, get right. on campus and get a degree if they're so interested. Right. Correct. Correct. Curious, though, because we have you on because you're having a bonkers good season. We'll talk a little bit more about the, the nuances of the season. But looking back, 17-1, and one, you got to go back to 20, uh, 2008, 2009 for the last time you guys had a, a season like this in terms of numbers. 19-7 and seven that year. You were coming off a 20-8 and eight season. The season before that was 19-7. and seven. Um, What is it about this season and this team – because for the last few years, you've been a 500 squad. What's What's been the breakthrough moment, as it were? The breakthrough this year, we were just able to recruit a good group of kids. Um, with This is my first four-year class that I recruited to Laverne that's actually playing on this team, too. The buy-in came from those kids that was from my original class. I have a 1,000-point score coming off the bench. <laughs> A thousand point score coming off the bench, and you know that was a a hard conversation to have oh, I'm with sure. that young lady. But you know this is what we need to move forward. So she's like our Jazz Johnson, number five. She's like our Benny Microwave Johnson. If people know who that is, she's coming off the bench. We got Casey Carmado, another original on my original group, and Kendall Stanley. Those kids bought in and they set the tone this year. I think the success to our program started in the weight room with Coach Durant. It started early in the preseason with the preseason workouts, the conditioning. And I, I take our hats off to our um, to our strength and conditioning staff because he, he came in early and he told me, hey, you know, this team is different. This this group <laughs> is different from everyone you have ever brought here. They can move, they can play, and they like each other. They get along. It's a real sisterhood. So I think all the success started in the weight room in preseason back in August. That's that's pretty impressive. Um, I I don't want to dive off away from the team for a moment, but I let's be honest. The seventeen and one does reflect seven games against non division threes. You took on Oakwood, Life Pacific, Bethesda, Utah Tech, Life Pacific again, Simpson of California, and then Bethesda again. By the way, there was another game in there against a that you guys has an exhibition. It's not popping up on my schedule, but you also had another one since November ten. I know where you're located. You're you're between L.A. And, and San Bernardino, kind of up near the mountains in the Redlands area. We know about where it is. We know it's not the easiest place to necessarily get games, but a lot of Skyac teams have been filling it with full Division three schedules. I'm curious, and I'll admit I didn't do a 10-year look at schedules, to be honest, but what's the mentality with the schedule well, let's we'll start there. What, what's the mentality with the okay. schedule? Are you just looking for games to help improve the team and not worried about anything else? You know what? I, I, it's, it's, it's a lot of research-based uh, because I come from an independent where I had to schedule 30 games a long time ago, so I know a lot of people. But the pivotal point for me was, I want to say 17-18, where CMS went, I want to say they went 23-4. and Their only losses that year was to Puget Sound, Chapman, 
Chapman in double overtime in the tournament, and I can't remember who else beat him that year. Uh, she went across country, and they played a heck of a D3 schedule. She lost in double overtime in the conference championship, and she was sitting at home with me still watching. So it's like, why send my kids out if we're in a one big league, right? That's been the history since I've been out on the West Coast that we have only got one team in the tournament, you know. So I, so a, a Division three coach, I talked to this coach, and she took she later took a Division one job, and she said, hey, you're probably only going to get one team out of your conference, build a competitive schedule, make sure those kids have good experiences, and just win your conference if you want to go dancing. <laughs> so that's the approach that I've taken. You talking about the Pepperdine coach? No, no, no. I don't, oh. know, coach. I don't know if she wants me to name her. So that's why no, I that's fine. Saying. I was just going to say, we yeah. know we know Pepperdine's coach real well. I'm going to have to give her a phone call. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, she wasn't the one, but another coach that no. took a D1, D3 coach, took a D1 job, told me, hey, just, you know, I've been here for a long time. Uh, put a competitive schedule together for your kids. Make sure they have a good experience. And if you want to go dance and win your conference. No, there's absolutely some truth. Go, go win the conference. I, I absolutely agree with you on that. Uh, certainly no no knock. Um, I, I know the schedule you're talking about. Uh, George Fox was on that schedule. Pacific was on that. Uh, Dallas. Unfortunately, there were some good squads on that squad, and, the, and then there were some that were just clunkers, and, and that was a weird year, I'll admit. Okay. That was a weird year. No, there's absolutely a statement of go out and win the conference, and, and absolutely that needs to be done first and foremost. The rest right. is, yeah, it's tough to be Skyac. I, I get that. Um, and, and we can talk some other time about the nuances and, and whether you can pull it off, maybe playing some more. Um, but I, I was kind of curious on that idea. And obviously you want to get ready for your conference. How do these teams get you ready for Skyac play, especially this season? Well, this team this year, the biggest trip we took this year, we went to Alabama, where I'm originally from. Um, you know, we got to play at Oakwood, but people here at Oakwood, but people don't know that's one of the only places in their gym where Martin Luther King Jr. actually delivered a speech and it's still standing. So that was a historical moment That's while we awesome. took him there. We took him to the University of North Alabama. Uh, I'm from Muscle Shoals, Alabama. That's in Florence, my hometown, just to get a D1 exhibition because I had a game scheduled with them years ago before I took the Laverne game. But we took him to Ivy Green, the, the uh, birthplace of Helen Keller, you know. Awesome. Then we took him to uh, Fame Music Studios in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. We took him to the Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville. We actually took him up to Pulaski, Tennessee, to another uh, another historic, historical landmarks in that area. So that was a, a good trip, and I think that's a defining trip that actually brought us closer together because we spent a week, over a week on the road to, to start the season out with. And then, you know, Life Pacific, it's a, it's a hometown rival. They're two miles from us down the street. Yeah. Um, so next year we're probably just going to do the one game, buy a cup, and make it a rivalry game. You know, oh, trying cool. to, yeah, trying to get the community engaged in it. Um, you know, Bethesda. That's why I got my coaching career. So I had signed a contract with the previous coach who's no longer there. So I just honored the contract with with them. So you know, Utah Tech. That goes back from my NAI days when you know I was playing JD when he was at um, Utah Valley, Weber State. You know, we were making that swing. It's a money game. We use those two Division One games for fundraising per, for purposes. So we're able to have a team come out and pay for them some rooms and stuff. So, you know, every game has a rhyme or reason to it. You know, so people from the outside don't see it, but we strategically go down there. And then plus, we didn't know how we was going to look this year. This is an entire new team. The last thing I want to do is have an Amherst or someone come out and beat my brains in, and then you never, you wouldn't be inviting I, me on the show early. I, I don't know. Amherst might have been the perfect pick this year. They're, they're right know, for I the picking that. this year. 
But you got to remember, too, I'm the least. No one wants to play me when they come out. They want to play the Claremonts. They want to play the Pomonas. They want to sure. play the Chapters because of the hysterical, you know, and the history of our conference. So I'm usually last fiddle when someone wants to come out anyway. I'm pretty sure it's a change. I got a couple of emails now, but we'll see. I was going to say, I, that's evolving now, and it's pivoting a little bit, especially if you're able to keep up this. Uh, quickly, before I talk about the team, and, and I'm running behind, so I don't want to rush this because this has been a great conversation, but what drew you to Laverne? Oh, man. I, a lot of people don't know. My first year in California, I was in this conference on the men's side at Caltech. So I am a I was a division three. It wasn't just some random guy they picked to come. I come from <laughs> from division th- from division three schools. So that was about ah, throw the dart. Ah, it's Jason Pruitt. <laughs> yeah. You know, but the burn, it was the sense of community, the sense of pride. Uh, I took this job two weeks before classes started. So I knew that first year was going to be tough. I even had some alum ask me, we were wondering what sucker was going to take this job this late <laughs> in the process. But it's just so much opportunity. Before I got here, I think they had only won five games, maybe, or three the year before yeah, I got I here. I think you're right. Yeah. So, hey, the only way to go is up, right? That's the best right. job in the world to take is where you can go up. So, you know, I just I just fell in love with the community, the the athletic, the, the athletic community, the president, the provost. They, they all support athletics here. This is one place that truly support athletics. You have four players in double figures, so one of them has played a third. Uh, oh, I'm looking at the wrong stats. Hold on a second. Somehow okay. I jumped in the wrong stats there. Man, what four of those? I'm like. I don't know. I, I, I was going to say, something doesn't look right with how I remember doing my prep work. Hold on a second. Apparently I clicked on the wrong link. Uh, we'll reset. There we go. That looks a lot better. Um, I still have four players in double figures. Okay. Uh, you start with uh, Gr Brown, 15 points a game. Marissa Howell, 13 and a half, really 14 points a game. D- uh, Dijani Gill? Dijanay. Dijanay. I thought I, I, I said that wrong. Yeah, 11 points a game and 10 points for Jaslyn Johnson. Um, those are the two grad students on this team and a junior leading the way with a sophomore in the mix. Give us a little sense of that, of that group and, and the rest of the team and how it all clicks. Oh, I love that group because out of that group, um, Angie Gonzalez is a sophomore in the classroom. Marissa Howell is a sophomore in the classroom. Uh, uh, Kiara Brown is a sophomore. And uh, Dawson is a sophomore. That's my core group that will return next year. We're losing DeJanae. We're losing Jazz. I'm trying to talk Carmato into coming back and doing grad school. I'm trying to talk Kendall Stanley into coming back and doing grad school. We uh, one of our one of our top recruits. She tore ACL in the first game this year. Jennifer Morella. She was fifth in the state of scoring for junior college in California. Wow. Uh, so we're, we're playing without her. Um, and I just think this group just gels together. When you have those kids like Jazz Johnson, Casey Carmato, Kendall Stanley, that's been here four or five years plus a COVID year, the expectation is already set. So everyone had to come in and follow suit, especially when you got a DeJanae, a Chasey Santos that came back for her fifth or sixth year coming back. You, that 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 first group of recruits have set this tone for this program, and that's what you always wish and hope that you can get in a recruiting class. And I've been so thankful that they put up with me for these four or five years and returned for those grad school years because sometimes it's hard, man. But, you know, we're, we're, we're here sticking together. Uh, it's impressive to say the least. Let's talk about the conference. you got a game lead on Redlands, who's 13-4 and four overall, 8-1 in conference play in two games. On CMS, who's seven and two in conference play, eleven and five overall. Then there's a bit of a gap to the rest: Cal Lutheran, Chapman, Caltech, and Pomona Pitzer, along with Occidental and then Whittier, rounding out the group. Um, and obviously, you're going to be playing them 
all of them the rest of the way, including Caltech to start, but then Claremont, Mud Scripps, Chapman, uh, et cetera. You'll finish up with a Redlands game, which has obviously been circled by many. What's what's the goal at this point? What's the message to the team? How do you approach the rest of the season, starting with a Caltech game coming up? Hey, we go one game at a time. You can, we can lose any game, any night. Uh, we, we don't even look ahead. It's literally one game at a time. In the years past, we would circle this is a win, circle this is a loss. We don't, we don't even go that far anymore. It's one game at a time. So the only game that matters is Wednesday at Caltech, and that's always a tough place to play when you when you get in, into that. The one thing I think about is our conference is really tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that if you take this guy at conference and you drop it in the Midwest or over that farther side, I think we're just as competitive as any other conference top to bottom. No, certainly. No one, I think, disagrees with that. I think it's just hard sometimes to gauge. As, it's yeah, it's just you, hard, right. Yep, it's, and it's tough sometimes even to gauge the schools in my backyard. Right, um, it is, because we, we're literally beating each other up every week yeah. right now. Because, you know, I got, like you said, I got CMS coming in here. I got yep. go, to go to Redlands to finish the season, and, you know, I, it's just, and there's no room for separation so far. So And, I, and I know you all beat yourself up, but can this can this team win the conference? Um, I think we have the pieces to win the conference. Um, I think if we stay healthy and we stay focused, we have a good opportunity to win. But, you know, I thought I could win the conference three years ago when the second league score in the nation broke her hand and missed half of the season. That's yeah. now my assistant coach. So you, you, you never know. Like when I was at UAV, I thought I could win the conference there. And we lost the last three straight, dropped out of the top 25, and I was at home watching. So I just never want to say with basketball because one ankle, one knee, then there you go. No, I appreciate it. Hey, real quick, can you tell everybody about the jacket? Because I love the jacket, but it's got it's it's got a little bit more to it than that. Oh, so these jackets. So at every institution, three colleges where I've coached, uh, I get our senior class every year a Letterman jacket. So when you leave out of a Coach Pruitt and the staff program and you played your year and you graduate from the program, we buy you a Letterman jacket. Um, I have had some kids say, hey, Coach, I just coming back so I can get the jacket, you know, <laughs> you know, but it's something that is a staple. And what makes it really special is when they come back to the games, they all wear the jackets. That's you know, it's, cool. It's a pride. Hey, listen, I know a lot of teams give a lot of great gifts to their seniors. Uh, sometimes wonderful pictures or they'll give them their jersey, which I think is also really cool. That might be now my favorite. Uh, the Letterman yeah. jacket. The only trick for some of us is fitting back into one of those suckers uh, at a later time. I think there's a 3X or 4X I got right here. Trust me. I, it, it wouldn't ease it. <laughs> you and I are on the same wavelength. Hey, Coach, really appreciate the time. We have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuned in? Yeah, I just want to thank everyone for having the University of Laverne, being able to um, showcase our program on this show. Uh, you always got to give the man up above thanks because without God, it's nothing is possible. You know, we just pray for health, wealth, and we pray for these kids staying injury free as they, they make it through the season. So we just want to thank God and thank you for having us on and, and the best of luck to you moving forward. Well, thank you. Uh, not to diminish what you said, because I certainly can respect and appreciate it, but I don't think we've ever been in the same sentence or paragraph with the man above. I'm just saying that's a new one on the show out of 20 years. I appreciate it very much so, but I am definitely taking a step away. (laughs) Hey, Coach, good luck the rest of the way. Congratulations on a tremendous season. Uh, We look forward to hopefully be talking about you in five weeks' time, maybe talking about the NCAA tournament. That'd be fun. Um, I know I'd love to have that opportunity on NCAA.com. In the meantime, at least enjoy it. It's been fun to watch from afar. Thanks for having me.
Absolutely. Jason Pruitt joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do so. Running late, but that was an awesome conversation. Great to get the insight on the Leopards. We'll take a break. We'll switch gears, talk men's basketball with Montclair State. You're listening to Hoopsaw presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC WBCA studios. There is so much more ahead. Just stay with us. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure. The game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on the uh, Facebook and face and YouTube live streams where we're simulcasting, facebook.com slash Hoopsville and youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Um, oxymoron, which <laughs> accidental grad, just for the record. Says, overall, excellent interview, meaningful and well-thought questions, excellent, insightful, and heartfelt answers from Coach. Hopefully more to come. Talking about the Laverne interview. Uh, I, I'm not sure about the meaningful and well-thought questions. The well-thought part is where I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant, only because if you only knew what goes on in front of me, you would probably take a second guess on the well-thought stuff. Um, by the way, uh, Cliff Carroll, head coach of Mary Harden Baylor, said, I tune into Hoopso, but we're about to tip off our development game, and I'm on the call. <laughs> Love it. 
let's pivot. Talk men's basketball. If you're talking uh, NJAC, which a lot of us do, sometimes it's like throwing a dart to pick a team you want to come on the show. I thought about having Rowan on the show, and no disrespect to the Owls or the Profs. We've had him on a bit, and then I kind of started looking around, and right about the time I got an email, I went, yeah, Montclair State might be a good idea. That's a heck of a turnaround for Justin Potts' squad there, even if he's somewhat dead to me for having left the Landmark Conference, where I got so used to talking to him and seeing him on the sidelines. It's never been the same since, they would say. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, the aforementioned Justin Potts, and sir, thanks for letting me have a little bit of a humorous moment there. You got it. You got it. Great to see you. We did used to see each other fairly often, but that, that's we, changed we, a little bit the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, I feel bad for landmark coaches. They don't have a choice in that matter. <laughs> <laughs> Though this year I'm missing a little bit more games than I should. Uh, just uh, unfortunate circumstances, but uh, I missed the game against Drew, which is um, uh, not Drew. Uh, actually, missed the game against Montclair, who's now former coach. Drew, former coach, is now the head coach. Yeah, though. correct, correct. Really, really wanted to see Daryl, but missed that opportunity. Let me start there, actually. Montclair's your alma mater. And I'll be honest, when I got news before it was official that you were leaving to go to Montclair, I thought it was BS. I'm like, there is no way Justin Potts, who has just got this program clicking at Montclair, is going to walk away from his alma mater. And listen, I know there's a lot of things that I eventually got to to understand better for why a decision like that it happens. But how difficult was that decision? You, you finally had gotten... I what probably was your dream job to some degree. Yeah. I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time as an assistant, obviously it was, it was 15 years, two for Jim at, at Moravian before I went up to uh, East Stroudsburg in the division two world and then got the chance to, to step in when, when Jim retired. So it was definitely something that I had always thought about, um, you know, of getting back to my alma mater and, and leading the program there. And, you know, I think the reality in coaching is you never know how things are going to turn out. Um, you know, if you had told me, Within two years, we'd be playing for a conference championship, and then the following two, we'd we'd win them and, and get into the NCAA tournament. I probably would have told you you were crazy because uh, I knew it was going to be a challenge to to build the program. Uh, but it was difficult, you know. Any, anytime you're at your alma mater, and, and you know, I played at Moravian, I, albeit poorly, but I did play there. Um, you know, it, it was it was great to be back there, and I think what we built there in the short amount of time I was there is something that will leave a legacy for sure. Um, you know, a large part of that was the players, O'Neill Holder and Jimmy Murray are two all-timers. Uh, both guys are in the top five in scoring, and I believe I was in the top five in scoring, rebounding, um, and field goals made. So, you know, those guys did, a, did the majority of the work. It was not an easy decision, but uh, one that I just thought was, was the best move in, for me at that time in my career. Um, and just a lot of really things, I think, in place at Montclair State that, that were going to allow us to chase some things I thought were attainable down the road. No, it totally makes sense and, and kind of why I wanted to ask you a little bit of, of the idea. Um, took a little while, but it seems like you've gotten the Red Hawks turned around a little bit. Uh, a little bit. I'm, I may be underselling that, Tad. Having a pretty darn good season uh, in charge of everything and, and sitting it there in the top quarter of the conference, battling it out with a pretty good Rowan squad and elsewhere. Is this the season you guys all expected? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we were confident coming in. Um, like you said, you know, it, we've been there four years as a coaching staff, but obviously with the COVID year, it, it, it feels like it's been two and a half. Um, you know, so, but we, we like this group coming back. We had a lot of experience uh, from last year. Uh, we only graduated uh, one guy that was in the starting lineup in Irv Calendar, and, and he was an all-conference guy. So we knew we would have to replace that. But um, our first recruiting class, which our assistant, Sean Rossi, uh, put together and, and did a heck of a job with it. Those guys were now going to be juniors and 
and, you know, sophomores with the COVID year. And I think they had experience. They got through the NJAC uh, last year and really started to understand what it was about. So I think we were confident, um, you know, but as a coach, you, you know, you got to go perform and you, you got to, you know, rise up and, and be ready for different situations. And what this group has, I think, is they're just really connected. They really care about each other. They're, they're willing to sacrifice when you play the way we do and you're, you know, running and pressing it. It's, you know, instrumental to your success is guys giving up some minutes and, and sacrificing shots and those kind of things. And this group has that in bunches. Uh, so that makes it easy to coach. Um, you know, and as any any situation, like anybody in the country, you're hoping you stay healthy. And unfortunately, we haven't. We've had three season-ending injuries. Uh, one was a starter. The other two guys were in the top 10. Um, and we've done a good job of just trying to navigate it and, and find our way through it. And that's a credit to the players and, and guys on the bench, obviously, stepping up. But, you know, we like I said, we were confident in this group. Uh, the NJAC is, is, you know, it, it, is, it is a challenge every night when you're playing 18 conference games against really good teams and really good coaches. Um, but we felt we could we could compete with some of the teams in the top half. Um, and to this point, we've shown that. We just have to be able to sustain it the rest of the way. If I have that right, you started ahead of the 2019-20 season, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. COVID hit the spring of our first year. Right, so 11-14 you know, that year, 99 in conference play, 5-3 and three in the COVID season, 6-3 and three in conference play. I'm not sure how that happened. We'll have to check <laughs> our numbers. I think I got something wrong there. 14-10 uh, and 10 last season, 9-8 in conference action. You've already surpassed that. You're 15-3 and three this season. You're 9-2 and two yeah. in conference action. Granted, you guys were clicking along um, until you, you bumped into the sales, and that was an absolutely unreal game. Triple overtime, 96-94. I bring it up because you lost three of five starting with that one uh, before now being on a three-game stretch. Did that game take a little bit out of you guys and, and maybe deflate things a little bit and stumbled out of it? Yeah, I think I think you know as as players, obviously they're they're you know probably thinking that we're going undefeated. Uh, as coaches, you're just trying to find it. You know, you're just trying to find a way to win the next possession. Um, you know, it, it, I think it actually was a great situation for us because it was the first real real tight contest we had played in. Um, and, you know, Scotty and I go, Scotty Koval and I go way back. We actually played summer league together in the, in the, in the Lehigh Valley. So um, it's always good to compete against them. I thought you were a team. lot younger, Justin. <laughs> I am considerably younger, but they, you know, they brought me on the team. Just, I, I guess they thought I might be able to add to with some of my youth, although it didn't really work out that way. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it was a heck of a game. Like you said, I mean, we, you know, we both had chances to put it away and in, in regulation and, and the first overtime or the second overtime. Um, I think we took a lot from it in terms of what it takes to win close games. And they had been in some before that. I believe they played SWAT to like a two or three point game. Mm -hmm. uh, they played Stockton early in the year and it was a, a one or two possession game. Um, so they executed a little bit better in some situations. Um, I think just the reality was it was a, it was a physical tournament. We played Alvernia the night before um, and, and they're obviously got a really good team. And then coming out of that, we, we jumped right into conference and we, and we bumped into Rowan and Stockton pretty quickly and, um, you know, th those teams are really good. And again, I, I thought we played well in them, but not well enough to beat those caliber teams. And, um, you know, I, I think our guys learned some things from it. We kind of, you know, settled in after that and, and hopefully can keep it moving forward as we go. Yeah, the Stockton game, 71-55, definitely didn't feel like a very Red Hockey-like game, at least this season. Two games later, you took on Roan, chase polar opposite, 109-103, and that is not in overtime. Did you all forget that there's a defensive side of the ball. <laughs> Listen, Joe, Joe's going to make you play fast. We like to play fast. Yes. So uh, there was there was a lot of baskets being scored. That's for sure. They they did theirs. It seemed like they got a, a groove in the middle of the second half. Um, I give our guys credit. We stayed with it, and then we're able to chip away and get back in it. Um, you know, we we shoot a boatload of threes. I think we're top 
eight or nine in the country in threes taken and top four or five in, in threes made. So we obviously want to play fast. Um, you know, our, our, our associate head coach, Sean Rossi, who's a you know division three all-timer, all-time assist leader. So he's in charge of the offense. So when the offense is clicking, you know, he's getting the credit. If it's not, then we're going to have to get on him for, for some, some reason or another. So Sean's at fault for the Stockton game. Got it. I just yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. As, as we know, as head coaches, it yep. goes to the assistant when things don't go well. There you go. Obviously, you've won three straight, including over Kane, uh, a team that was getting a lot of attention for a, a while there. I think they had started 13-0 and at the very least. I'm actually double-checking. So, yeah, 13-0 yeah, and 0 before. 13 or 14, I think. It was 13-0 and 0 before they hit a four-game slide. They got their... Um, their 14th win against Rutgers Newark the last time out, ending that four-game slide. They lost to Rowan Stockton, Montclair State, and William Patterson to kind of deflate that bubble a little bit. But still, good squad there. You got the win over them to get the three-game winning streak going, New Jersey City and Rutgers Camden. You got Rutgers Newark coming up uh, in your next one. Tell me a little bit about this conference. We'll get back to your team in a bit, but tell me about the conference because I-, I think going into the season, a lot of people got a little bit distracted by the jewels of Stockton. And I, and I say that because I think they saw the second weekend. I know I was a little bit leery, good team. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if it was as good as maybe many thought. I think Rowan as a result was quietly in the background when I thought it should have been the other way around to some degree, even though I didn't vote that way, I absolutely talked (laughs) myself out of what I'm saying right now. And then everybody else was an unknown. Like, I don't think we really knew the rest of this conference and how it was going to break out. We obviously have a lot to play here, but we now see Rowan seeming like the dominant team. Stockton depends on which team you get. And then the rest of you have kind of said, hey, we're in this mix too. And and I think that's made this both exciting and confusing. Yeah, I, I think the reality is, as, as we all know, in the, in the world of college athletics and probably basketball is, is, is no different than, than any of the other sports. You know, there was a lot of unknown. It's a, it's a transfer-heavy league, so you have a lot of guys that are transferring, and, and it's a transfer-heavy world that, that we're all in. Um, you know, and, and I think Rowan had pieces coming back, so I thought they would be good. And then they added, they added uh, you know, Jazir Noel, who's a really, really talented kid and, and can really put the ball in the basket. So I think that immediately kind of jumped them. Um, you know, and Stockton had everybody coming back, like you said, and, and I think obviously Scott does a great job, and they, they had a really good team. And I think, you know, we went through it at East Stroudsburg one year. We were 30-2. and two. We got to the Sweet 16. We had everybody back, and we went 19-10 and 10 the next year. You know what I mean? And, and, and I think, as Scott and I have joked around a little bit when we had the chance to talk, you know, when you're, when you're kind of the hunted, and, and they were obviously because of the, the, the resume and the, and the season, that you're, you're getting everybody's best game. And, and, you know, they obviously played a tough schedule, which was smart. Um, and I agree with you. I think Rowan kind of slid under the radar a little bit. You know what I mean? They, they – they uh, lost in the first round last year to Susquehanna, and obviously, I, I played against Frank's teams for a while, so I know how good they are. Um, you know, but Joe's got a great team. They're they're long, they're athletic. They got multiple guys that can score it. Uh, they've shown they can play slow games and win, and they can play games that, that are you know closer to the way we played them and, and and be in a track meet and win. And I think Stockton's starting to you know starting to play a little bit better. I know Rowan got him the other night, but. You know, they, they played a little bit better um, in a couple games before that. And then I think the rest of the league, like you said, you know, we've, we've, you know, we've gotten ourselves into a good position. Um, you know, Coach Turco at Kane's got a really good team. They're, they're talented as well. And, you know, the reality in the end, Jack, and I think we're probably one of the only conferences, is we got 18 conference games. I mean, that is it – is, it is brutal. Jan- January and, and February are a grind, um, and, and there's obviously a lot of successful coaches. There's a lot of really good players. 
And I think what, you know, what we've realized, and I think our guys, we, we try to get them to understand is like your mindset every night, has got to be ready to go because there's going to be contrast and styles. There's going to be, you know, really good players that you're going to have to take away. There's going to be, you know, teams that are trying to obviously take away from you. And that 18 conference game slate, you know, is, is, is an absolute for, for, you know, division three guys. And we had it when I was at East Stroudsburg, I think it was 22 conference games in the, in the PSAC. You know, it, it, it really puts a challenge on you mentally and physically because you don't you don't get too many breaks and, and you know, you, you got to be ready for that round robin type situation. And, you know, these kids all know each other. They're, they're all Jersey kids. So there is there is animosity. There is there is rivalry. Um, it makes for great environments, um, but it also means you, you better bring it. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, no, good point. Talking about the team, Stephen Bremen leading the way, uh, 16.7 points per contest, 7.5 rebounds a game, shooting 48%, including 43% from beyond the arc, and don't foul him because he hit 86% from the free throw line on top of that. Uh, You got Mike Jackson in double figures as well at 13.7. You got uh, Keon Price at 13.3. All three guys have started and played in every single game. Uh, Price is one of your – or is – well, he's one of two of your top uh, assist guys on the squad. You mentioned injuries, kind of getting into that just so everybody knows. You have eight and a half points from Kyrie Henry. He's played in 15 games. Uh, Eight points from Amir Williams. He's played in 13. And Devin Cooper, your starter, who you talked about losing, 7.2. There's other guys we have not talked about, obviously. But that trio of Bremen, Jackson, and Bryce certainly seem to be leading the way. Yeah, those three guys, you know, you expect it from Steve. He's a senior. He's coming down the end of his career. I think he's been a guy that's been a a great example for our younger players in terms of his consistency his work ethic you know from the time he's he's been at Montclair he's gotten a little better every year and and really raised his game and um you know he's got that look in his eyes with with under 10 to go that you know everything everything matters and you know I I think he's really really playing at a high level uh Mike was a guy as a freshman that had a great year and and you know got on on the radar late uh, in terms of you know really playing well in the second half of the season and then Keon's another guy who's just really grown. He, he's been with us since we got there. Um, he got shifted to the point when Coop got hurt. It's not really his natural position, but he's done a really good job of running the team. And, you know, he, he's a guy that, that would prefer to be on the wing and off the ball a little bit. But, you know, we put the ball in his hands, and, and you know, Coach Rossi's done a good job with him, you know, just kind of trying to, trying to get him to understand some of the reads he needs to make from that position as opposed to the wing. So those three guys have been critical, especially in the scoring column. Um, Kieran Flanagan, who starts on the wing for us and has actually started every game since he got to Montclair, um, is, is kind of our, our energy though. He's, he's the guy that's a great defender. He does a lot of the different things. He's, you know, he'll, he'll fill the stat sheet with six points, six assists, five rebounds, four steals. Um, you know, so he, he gives us a little bit of that glue type stuff. And then the guys off the bench have really filled their roles. Uh, Amir Torres Achilles against Stockton. Um, so we had to adjust then again, um, and, and some of those guys off the bench, Craig Eck, uh, Samar Abdullah as a freshman, uh, Kaleem Lampert, and, and Fran Paulino have really started to raise their game. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely a collective effort, but those three guys are going to be critical for us going down the stretch mm-hmm. in our league. You're going to have to be able to have them play their best because we know we're going to see, you know, that DJ Campbell and Kion and those guys are going to play at a high level. And obviously Rowan, Rowan has the same type of situation and other teams in our league got guys that can, that can really bring it night in and night out. So uh, Steve, Steve, I always say your seniors kind of carry you. So he's doing a great job of that. And, and we all got to kind of follow his lead. 
Seven games left. Three of them will be at home, starting with Rutgers Newark coming up in the next one. Uh, you'll finish on the road against Rowan. That'll be the final game. Have a lot of big final games this season in conference play across the country. Uh, what's the message to the team? How do you guys prepare? What What is the goal, essentially, in the as this thing wraps up? Yeah, it's, it'll always be the same for for us as as you know as we're there as a coaching staff. We we always kind of say at the beginning of the year is how good can we be by the time the journey's over? Um, and and I think this group has still a little bit of room to grow, uh, which is a good thing when you're sitting at 15 and three and, and nine and two in the conference. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing for us going down the stretch is, is stay healthy. Um, you know, that, that will help because we've obviously lost a couple already. Um, keep the right mindset about, you know, kind of one day at a time and one practice, one game type situation, not, not get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, you know, and, and I think just, just being really consistent at both ends when we've played, well, you know, it obviously sounds simplistic, but we've been really good in our pressure. We've been good defensively, and we've, we've shot the ball and shared it well. When we've struggled, um, you know, and, and we did it against Rowan and Stockton and, and even DeSales. I think DeSales got out on us 19-4, um, so we obviously fell behind early. Uh, Stockton got us early in the second half. I think we got down 15 or so. And then Rowan separated, I think, middle of the second half. They got us down 15 or 16. And, you know, you've been doing this as long as I've been doing this. You can't do that against good teams. Um, you know, you, you can't be spotting them 15 or 16. And, uh, you know, if you're not making shots, you got to find a way to get stops. You know, if you're if you're not getting stops, then, you know, you better find a way to put it in the basket to, to keep, you know, keep things in range. And I just yeah. think our consistency through the course of the of the 40 minutes over the next, you know, three, four weeks is going to be really critical for us. And, um, you know, we have it. We've shown we have it. We just got to do it a little bit more often. And so so it'll be, you know, the goal will be how good can we be by the time it's over? Um, I think we got some really good pieces and, and we've had a good year to this point. But, you know, we we all know that this is the time that's really going to, you know, get down to crunch time and, and guys are going to have to perform in, in big situations. Well, I appreciate your time as always. Uh, looking forward to seeing how it all plays out the rest of the way. Congratulations on it. Not to maybe overuse it. Maybe it's it's too much to say, but turning around the program. Certainly impressive to see where the Red Hawks are now, and congratulations on that. Good luck the rest of the way. And as always, give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you. The turnaround was the players and the assistants. I just try not to get in the way, Dave. You know what I mean? As long as I stay out of the way, we'll have a chance. Um, just sure. really, appreciate, really appreciate what you guys do. Uh, it, it sheds a great light. You know, I, I played Division Three, and I've been a part of it now as a, as a coach for 10 years. Um, you know, and, you know, you see it a lot. Um, and I think we're starting to gain some more traction at this level with how good players are, how good programs are, um, you know, and, and I think there's a there's a there's still more to grow at our level. Um, but I think we're all moving in the right direction. And again, a lot of the credit goes to the amount of time and work that you guys all put in there to, to give us a platform and, and give the players a platform. So greatly appreciated. Uh, you know, hopefully we can catch up soon. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll cross paths on the sidelines again sometime. Oh, that'd be fun. Look forward to it. You take care of yourself. uh, Enjoy the rest of the season, and we'll talk to you very soon. Sounds good, Dave. Take care. Jason Potts joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Uh, Good stuff there. And Jack Race is going to be fun to watch the end. I'm looking forward to to seeing how that all turns out. Come back. We head up to Vermont, not for skiing. We'll talk to Alex Sobel, the the, uh, senior forward. For the, for the Jeff Brown-led Middlebury uh, team. We'll talk to him about what's clicking so well for the Panthers and after such a tremendous week. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. These are your teams. 
Your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go into personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. What you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. We are way behind schedule. It's not even funny, but we've had so many great guests on talking about their programs, talking about little ins and outs of things. It's been fun to chat. We'll be coming up. Uh, Mike Raniak and Akiva Poppers will join us to break down the latest top 25. One of the biggest moves was by Middlebury, moving from number 11 to up to number 5. 
you're gonna have to bear with me because uh, I just realized I haven't updated the graphic under our next guest's name. But it gives me the chance to mention there was a bit of a, a theme with the letter J today, and I haven't seen anybody, at least on Twitter or anywhere else, make figure out what we're talking about. Um, if you haven't by the end of this figured it out, we'll give it away. But uh, tell us why, besides the fact we call the show uh, just jumpers, I had to use J's. Why is a J so such a big deal? Middlebury had a really, really good week. Beat Keene State a week ago tonight. Also got a big win over Williams, one of the guys who was instrumental not only in the week. By the way, he got a block against Keene in that final uh, possession for uh, Keene to try and tie it or, or win it or whatever the case may was their plan. Uh, but he's been in our goal, obviously, for a number of years for the Middlebury Panthers. And so joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is Alex Sobel, the head, the head coach. I'm so used to saying that. Senior forward for the Panthers this season. Uh, Alex, thanks for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it, we're excited to have you. Um, we've talked to your head coach a number of times and we hope he don't doesn't find it disrespectful we wanted to talk to somebody else but we figured we'll talk to him somewhere down the road i wanted to talk to you because again that sequence against keen where you got the block that basically ended their chance of continuing the game or maybe winning it you also had a huge game against williams your presence alone is one everybody has to uh deal with but it seems when i watch games as much as they know you're going to be there they haven't figured out how to avoid you yeah, well, um, I feel like offensively, I usually touch the ball like every possession. So um, whether that's scoring or assisting, um, uh, our offense yeah, like is planning on that. And then defensively, we do our guards do a great job of identifying shooters and funneling them like inside, where we know we have good shot blocking and health defense. So uh, I think it's all game planned. No, offensively, obviously, the key is to run it through you and and get that presence. But I'm always blown away by the defense. Again, let's look at the Keen scenario. They've got to get a winner. They've got to get a shot off. I wouldn't be coming anywhere near you with the ability you have to block shots or alter trajectories. And yet there you are at the end there with that final shot. What's it like to have that ability of timing and that ability to, to not only get blocks but not draw fouls in the process and make such a big impact on the game defensively? Um, well, I think the fouling part, at least, has been my biggest improvement this year, Like, especially in my freshman and last year. like I, My minutes were usually restricted based on how many fouls I had at the time. Um, but this year I've worked on picking my spots a little bit better. Um, but I'm still blocking a decent amount of shots, so... I mean, yeah, I think it's timing, playing a lot of basketball um, year-round, and uh, I have a long wingspan, so that helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> know yeah, that helps a, big, a, bit, a bit much. Uh, we'll get to the, you a little bit more. I want to talk about the season before we get any further. Started the season with uh, five straight wins before Rochester tripped you up in a, in a great game, 72-70 at their place. Then another five-game winning streak in Hamilton tripped you up, and now you're on another five-game winning streak. My point is, it's all about five-game winning streaks. I'll warn you about Bates coming up. But tell me a little bit about the season, how it's gone, how you guys have played so far in your minds, and what have been the expectations to this point, and have you hit them? Um, I think everyone on our team probably feels like we could be undefeated. Um, 
I think the Rochester game was like a great game for us because we were down and I was in foul trouble and we made it a game at the end, had a shot to win it and had a really unfortunate play um, at the end. That'll probably be with me forever. But um, then we came out, had like our first home games, I believe, after that. Like we've done this almost all on the road. I think we've only had four home games so far. where we played great. Um, and then Hamilton, they, they played well. I mean, uh, I think it was a wake up call. And I think since then we played just our effort defensively has been another level and our, our just like overall like desire and our doggedness. I, I feel like like the Keene state game, we were down late and people made plays after plays like David Brennan and Noah Osher stepped up big. So I think, expectation wise like i think we were all confident i think we felt we were under the radar last year and then this year everyone came back added six freshmen um had one guy become a coach and then i mean yeah we have lofty goals we think we can win the conference and hopefully host some games after that uh you're averaging 20.3 points a game 12 rebounds per contest you've got 71 blocks on the season, 71 of the team's 94, we should point out. So vast majority of blocks going your way. What's it been like to play this season to not only expectations, but to be able to be averaging a double-double, to be able to be that big an infant, uh, uh, impact on defense? And by the way, you're also leading the team in assists, so you're also distributing as much as you're scoring. What's, what's it like to be that key in the cog? It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, yeah, the team is just great. I mean, they're all like my best friends. I live with them and yeah, it's been a great experience. And um, it's nice to have like coaches that you can fully trust. And like, I feel like they've been, they've won championships. They've won big games. And like, we all have full trust in them one through 18. Um, And another part of it is like our, like it's such a deep team. It's such a big team right now that not everyone's playing like last year, but the whole bench is really engaged. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just a really fun team. But for me, I mean, yeah, coach Brown has definitely put a lot of trust in me and it feels good to deliver in most spots. And yeah, especially this week. I mean, I felt like I had to, especially the Keen state game, had a career game, some big plays at the end and Williams just, um, got on the floor, which is not usually what I do. and made some possible <laughs> plays. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Takes a little more to get a 6'8 body down on the floor. Let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> could, cause, could cause more injuries in the process. Uh, the other thing that's, uh, that's interesting about your games is they're all over the place in terms of scoring. Uh, for example, the Amherst game, you got to win 53-46. The next game against Bowdoin, it's 80-60. Uh, 86-82 over Keene State, and they, like we talked about on Monday, but then you're taking on Williams five days later, and it's a 60-55 to game. Is that being controlled by the opponent? Is that being controlled by you guys? Or is it you guys are adaptable enough to be able to play at whatever anybody wants to go? I think it's a little of both. Um, I think our goal for the Keene State game, at least the game plan going in, was to have a slower pace, but their guards... And they're just an athletic team that really like pressured our guards and was pushing on the fat pushing on the fast break. So it was a high scoring game, but we can do that. Um, we're in good shape. We 
um, and we're deeper than we were last year. So I think we could play slow. We could play fast. I think preferably, I think from against most teams, we're going to be walking it up and playing at a half court and winning it defensively and on the offensive boards, which is, I think, our biggest strength. How much is the past sitting on you guys? Last season, for example, 18-6, and 7-3. and three, uh, You and I were talking off-air about you know wanting to know, since you guys were on the bubble, whether you'd make the NCAA tournament uh, and get that opportunity, um, which obviously didn't happen for last season. How much have... You know, even the 1920 season before things came unglued, the expectations that you all had as programs, and then to go through the ups and downs of COVID, how much is riding on this season to some degree? I think for me and even the class before me, like we won a lot of games and a lot of the games we were supposed to, but um, didn't have too much postseason success and kind of faltered in the biggest games. So, yeah, there's a lot riding. I think I think that um, I think that we all we what like we've like Coach Brown is he's won four NESCAC championships, but none of the guys in the team now were a part of any of them, and we want to continue that um, culture of winning, and we really feel like we had the team to do it and consistently be contending for it. And last year. I was pretty much the only one that had any experience, and even that was like a season and a half and bare of like right. 15 minutes a game. So it was a young team, and now everyone's back, older, played, and you know has tasted defeat. And I think we want to, I think we want to host. Really, we want to try and host the tournament and the NCAA tournament because of how few home games we've had, and um, that's that's a big motivation for a lot of us. Yeah, I was going to get to the home games in a second, but quickly, you talk about a season and a half. You played 26 games your freshman year starting in one, but you only got 11 games in your sophomore campaign uh, due to injury. Then you lose COVID on top of that, so you have to wait a whole other year, which at a school like Middlebury isn't the easiest thing I realize. You got to play in 24 games last year. Now you've played in 17. To some degree, is your body maybe not as beat up as, as you expected it to be? It's possible. Um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's not beat up. I, I played a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played a lot of summer league games over the summer, and um, I don't know. I, I would say maybe maybe I'm a little fresher than the average. Sure. You talk about a l- lack of home games. You played ten of the fourteen, or sorry, let me phrase that. I misspoke. Ten of the seventeen so far on the road. You're eight and two on the road, four and zero oh at home. Just four games at home. Um, those four being, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Plattsburgh, Stevens, uh, Bowden, and Colby. That's it. Um, you obviously will have a good chunk coming up. Bates, Tufts, New England College will be the next three, all at Pepin. But then you're on the road to finish the season. Wesleyan, Trinity, Connecticut. I can understand why trying to be at home for not only the NESCAC tournament, but the NCAA is going to be so important. But to some degree, you're going to be ready for anything, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, we've been on the road and played great teams, so we're not we're not going to be scared either way. Um, I think. Yeah. How, been a lot of, a lot of how tough is it to be road warriors, though? I mean, how tough is it to adjust your academic schedule and all that stuff to to make sure you're getting on buses and and go for long trips and and get games in? Um, it was definitely a tough semester, but I think. Yeah, we, we had a great group to do it. I mean, it was a lot, yeah, a lot of long bus trips, but that's always the case. I think 
just our location the shortest the shortest trip is like two hours so there's no close ones um true and but i i can just say it's it's a really fun group that like makes it and and a really smart group too where a lot of people help each other out academically so i think yeah people rely on their teammates in a big way um that made it a lot more fun and our coach your coaches he seems to really love being a road warrior and it's definitely helped us so and i think that um our like outside shooting we've we've won a lot of these games shooting on the road which is harder and if we can you know play more games at home i think we can add another element or just bump it up even one more level offensively as we mentioned earlier, you won the first five games of the season, then lost to Rochester, won the next five, then lost to Hamilton. Now you're on another five-game winning streak, and you got Bates coming up. How do we make sure this isn't another repeat where you lose after a five-game winning streak? Um, I mean, we're practicing hard. I think uh, it'll be our senior night the next night, so we want to be on a positive note. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's anything too different. I think we – try to stay focused in practice it's a long season but i think uh yeah we have a competitive group that's competitive every day it's deep it's really physical it's um i think it's everything you need to like keep getting better throughout the year your computer science major what are you hoping to do once the basketball career is over uh and, and you know so what are you planning to do with the computer science major and i and i'll ask on the side real quick are you hoping to still play after the this season concludes and you do graduate yeah um that's that's currently the plan um talking to a few different people um still still very undecided on both fronts um i did a uh, data engineering internship for um, a company called rocket lawyer last summer um but i'm not not completely sure uh so i can't fully answer that but i'm yeah no i'm just interested trust me i had no idea what i was doing uh, right before I was supposed to finish things up, and that was in the 90s, and I still don't know what I'm doing. So uh, it, it goes both ways. Alex, I appreciate the insight on the team, insight on, on your career. Certainly been fun to watch you play. Um, yeah, the wingspan has definitely been an advantage, but and you've used it pretty nicely yourself. Uh, looking forward to seeing where the Panthers can go, besides just on the road. Maybe you can enjoy Pepin in the month of March before you're forced to go somewhere uh, to play for a title if you can be so lucky. But in the meantime, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? Um, just, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I know me and most of my team is pretty in tune with the D3 Hoops media, and it, it just makes it a lot a lot more fun and feel more important. Um, so, yeah, thank you and to all the other people that do as well. So. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for bearing with us on a on a, a little bit of a of a long show and a late uh, timing. But great to chat with you. Good luck the rest of the way, especially upcoming, especially with Senior Day. I know that'll be emotional, uh, but enjoy it nonetheless. And I look forward to seeing how the Panthers do. And maybe we'll be talking a lot about you coming five weeks. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. He is Alex Sobel joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline.
Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue to click along here on the show. Uh, running a little bit behind, but Chase one is Hoopsville not run behind. But no, great segment so far. We'll do our proper thank yous at the end of the program. But uh, uh, Alex Sobel joining us from Middlebury. Appreciate the time. So I'll ask now, I guess it's last second to figure out what the how, how the Jays have anything to do with this show, if you haven't figured it out yet. Inadvertently stumbled into the letter J. If we were Sesame Street, it would be brought to you by the letter J. If you can figure it out, let us know. You can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on our simulcast either on Facebook or YouTube, facebook.com slash D3Hoops, or facebook.com slash Hoopsville, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville is how you can get a hold of us. Of course, simulcasting on Team One Sports, or main broadcast is on Team One Sports, thanks to Huddle Blue Frame Technology. You can also email us, hoopsle at d3sports.com. All right, let's talk top 25. New top 25 is out. Talked about it at the beginning of the show. Oh, quick scoring update, by the way, uh, in women's basketball. Uh, Smith looking real good. They got a 10-point lead on Tufts. 60-50 to 50 with 2.16 left to go in that game. Of course, Babson and Trinity already played, and uh, the Bantams defeated the Beavers 65-61 in women's basketball action. Those two huge games going on. But men's top 25, again, um, interesting movement. To say the least. So we'll go to the 
Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline and joining us to talk all about it today. It is Mike Raniak and it is Akiva Poppers. Poppers for the first time this season joining us here on the Top 25 Double Take. Gentlemen, as always, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. You look good, I believe, and uh, hope you're well. How bad did we look before? I have no idea. I have no idea. Akiva, what's it like? I got to ask you this. What's it like this season? You, you, Nothing against your, your Max, but they're not that, that team that was getting all the headlines for the last few years. They're still a good team, but not there. You, you have a different kind of seat this season, don't you? No, I like this a lot. You know, you get to see a program kind of getting rebuilt and people don't talk about you. It's, it's the perfect place to be. No, there's some truth to that. Yeah, takes a little bit of the spotlight off, as it were. Good point. Um, guys, do either of you figured out what the J is about in tonight's show? How it plays in? I'm. I went to school go. college, so like my 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 uh, if he was teaching a phys ed lesson, I'd be right there with you. But figuring out puzzles not my strong point. Now I'll let it go a little bit longer. We'll see if anybody figures out how. Besides the fact that we it's called just jumpers, but we had to keep the J theme going. Figure out if anybody else can figure out the Jays. All right, let's move on. Top 25 uh, has been uh, – where the new one is out, the new ballot is out. I know there was already a question about Guilford and, and Williams' placement, and I mentioned at the beginning of the show I'm one of those who has uh, Williams ahead of Guilford. But if they're in a pack of teams that I could throw around a dozen different ways and not be happy with where I have it, or not happy isn't the right term, I could find flaws in the thinking. Um, I'm not diving into that topic. I'm just saying that we've obviously gotten out and rolling. But, gentlemen, in your start, and Poppers will go with you, overall, top 25, how do you feel about it? What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, for a good part of the year, there's been maybe seven or eight teams, which I've been very comfortable with as definitive top 25 teams. Um, And then down the rest of the ballot, I haven't had too much movement, I think, since week one. Um, I probably have only voted for around 40 teams overall. Um, But there also have been a lot of teams which have kind of been on my radar, which are uh, vying to mess all of that up very shortly. Um, (laughs) But as I've mentioned in the past, I'm not the biggest uh, win-loss sort of person. Um, More of an eye test focused voter. So um, even if a team which I like takes one or two losses. If I don't think they look bad in those losses, I'm not going to punish them so much. Fair. No, I, I kind of have a similar mentality. Uh, for example, Claremont Mud Scripps lost to Pomona Pitzer, who is top of the conference with them in the Skyac. I'm ex- not expecting anybody to go undefeated in that conference, so I didn't kill CMS for that loss in what was a pretty darn good game. Raniac, your thoughts on the polls, uh, or at least the lay of the land, as it were. I wish we could just put all... UAA teams at around 15 and we'll be good. Ooh, like You're giving a lot of credit to some who maybe shouldn't be there. Yeah, maybe. All right. But like, like I'm, I'm with you. Like I have, like if I was looking at my ballot, like I have Williams at 10 and Guilford at 12. Realistically, like interchangeably, I don't know. <laughs> like why? Like I think the bottom half of the ballot you know, I have several of those teams out of my top 25. And, you know, I, I think there's a – we'll get into it, but I, I think there's a, a, a team or two that people aren't even on the radar, and it's got pretty much the same resume as somebody that might be ranked at 17. 
know? So like, I, I think like there's, there's a lot of things that are going to be shook out. Um, I'm trying to figure out Illinois college. I, I like them a lot, but I, I might be the, I think I'm like the only one that likes them. Um, so like, it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, I test, I'm, I'm with Akiva and kind of, you know, going with the eye test thing, but then also the stat thing. And like, to be honest, the, the last five of the ballot, I think I only have maybe one of those ranked. So like my interchangeable, but the top two couple have been pretty much solid all the way throughout. No, I'm with you there. I agree. Um, I know it's just getting more difficult. Uh, and I did vote for Illinois College this week, and I will get the blog out this week. I, I promise people. I apologize. I keep trying to put mine out. But I did vote for Illinois College mainly because the bottom five or the bottom three, to some degree for me, has been a little bit of a testing ground. Uh, there's teams I'm not always bought on, and so I'm like, all right, that didn't work out. Let me try another one. Um, so I get it. All right, let's dive in. Um, let's go deep dive. Let's go deep dive. We'll start things off with the deep dives. And, and talk about that on this one. And Popper, since we haven't had you on the show here of late and, and we missed you, we'll let you start with your deep dive selection, sir. Well, I'm always happy to come on. It's not a, I'm always, always happy. Oh, no, but that's definitely on me, sir. Not on you. <laughs> make it happen again in the future. But um, my deep dive, I was thinking about a couple of NESCAC teams, which I happen to have seen uh, both of play my max this year, and the one which I went with was Tufts. Um, and it's a weird pick because they don't really have a top 25 type of resume. Um, every single time that I've thought about, hey, let me put them on my ballot or let me put them on my radar, they've lost. I was gonna, I was considering putting them on my ballot, then they lost to Cotton College. I was considering putting them on my ballot, then they lost at Bates in this last game that they played. But from an eye test perspective, I kind of like them. I like their balance. Um, if you'll look, if you look at their schedule, they still have yet to play basically the top four NESCAC teams other than themselves. And all four of those games are going to be on the road where they've struggled this year, including Williams and Middlebury this week. So we'll have a very quick opportunity to see if, if they're legit or not. Um, so they've got kind of that upside-downside situation to them, which I think earns them a, definitely a look from that standpoint. Um, I actually had them at 25 on my ballot early in the year, I think week one, and then they played St. Joe's Connecticut, and they were down by five with under five to go, and then they lost by 20. Uh, but they stuck with St. Joe's, which obviously um, wasn't wasn't that bad. At least they stuck with them for 35 minutes. And personnel-wise, Thorner can, can really shoot it, um, and Stewart and Gettings are a couple of nice bigs. Um, and they pass the ball really well, and they have some nice backdoor action. Transition, they're really good. Defensively, on ball, they're really good. So they kind of have the makings of a top 25 team, eye test-wise. They just haven't had the results yet. Um, but I think there's potential with res with this next week stretch coming up um, that we could be seeing them on some ballots, or we could never talk about them again for the rest of the year. Yeah, good take. Appreciate your uh, insight on it, certainly. Uh, Rainiac, any any follow up to that? Yeah, I, th I think like having coached in the NESCAC, like, is there really out when playoffs hit, and and outside of the Williams Amherst game, like home court 
does matter for those. On a random, you know, sometimes Friday night, like I remember one year, Amherst, we were ranked like two in the country and like we're playing a really good, um, might've been Tufts or Wesleyan squad. And the only people in the gym were, were uh, you know, my parents and, and a couple others, um, you know, so like home court, you know, give or take, you know, obviously the travel stinks, but you know, I think with Tufts, they do have an alpha and Thorner and then they got some good balance, um, which I think, you know, they do run some great stuff. Uh, Coach Linton, I think, is now starting to kind of really get some momentum under him and kind of now being in the league, coaching in the league for like a year and a half now, um, you know, post-COVID. So, like, I think, like you said, Poppers, we're going to find out this 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 week, you know, where they stand. If if they come out one-on-one, I think that's a that's a on the road. Pretty darn good weekend against Williams and Middlebury. Um Two and zero, then all of a sudden they're top ten. Like you know, like zero and two. Like see you later. So it, it's kind of like you know, like NESCAC, you know, UAA, those great conferences. It's so razor thin, and the players like like a Sobel, um, like they know what's up um, every weekend because it does matter so much because there's not that home and home series. You get one shot in the regular season, and that's it. Um, so, like, that may be your one shot at a resume builder or a resume killer. No, that's, that is that is the trick, to be honest. And to a large degree, that's the march for you, you know, the one one shot and done. Um, and it's not a perfect science, to say the least. What's your pick, sir? I got Brockport of the SUNY. Uh, that's one I've been considering. To... Yeah. I mean, they have – like literally almost the exact same resume as an Oswego. And in that league, they're both of them are playing phenomenally well. Um, the rest of the league is not what it was like five years ago. It's not a three bid league. It's not a four bid league. Like, like some years when you had Geneseo and Plattsburgh there, those programs are, are vastly different than where they have been. So like Brockport, in my opinion, should be ranked. And I was, as I was kind of going through, like they've lost, okay, they lost Alfred the first game. Okay, I'll give you a pass on the first game of the year because you're figuring some stuff out. They lost to Cortland by three. Um, Cortland's always a rival to them. Um, and they lost to Illinois College, which I also ranked in Florida, which by the way, down the line come tournament time, I guarantee you that may be a difference maker if that that's going to be a resume builder for Illinois College when it comes to tournament time. Um, but they beat Oswego by nine. Okay, they're fifteen and three overall, ten and one in conference. You know, seven. They've always Coach Dunn and his team versus Oswego. They've always been like polar opposite teams, in my opinion. Brockport has always been superior defensively because that's just Coach Dunn's style. They've been very intense defensively. Oswego, on the flip side, has been uh, superior, in my opinion, offensively. Not to say that they don't value uh, defense, but Coach Leone is very good at coaching offense. Um, and I think, like, when you look at their makeup of their team, they're aggressive. You know, they get uh, – uh, you know, they got this kid, Beckett, who's a sophomore – um, averaging 19 points a game. They got three other guys in double digits um, that kind of fill 
roster spots. They have a great sophomore group. So this is a team that if they all stick together, I have a feeling we'll be talking about for like the next couple of years if they stick together because they're young. Um, overall, they got some seniors at the planet. Um, I really like how they play. I've always liked how Greg plays um, because the defense travels, but like nobody's voting for him. Nobody's voting for him. And in my opinion, they beat Oswego. They pretty much have the same resume as Oswego. It's kind of like, why aren't we voting for them? I don't know. I, I've been one that's been back and forth on those guys. Um, I've liked Oswego, though. They've had some results this season that haven't blown me away. So I've got them in the bottom half of my ballot. Um, for me, to some degree, it's I don't have enough enough room. Mm-hmm. I just don't have enough room to put everybody in. And that's why Brockport keeps getting left out. But uh, the loss to Illinois College, so I put Illinois College in my ballot. That's just prime example there. When it came down to brass tacks, I got to choose one of them. And I also know, uh, and not not that I might wait that long, but I also know they got the rematch with Oswego coming up. Um, interesting enough, the win at Oswego certainly I took note of, but from my perspective, that's why um, Brockport's still You're on the outside looking get in. challenged until that, that game against Oswego. Pro- right. Oswego. Yeah, weirdly probably. enough, the Suniac isn't as dominating as I've, as I've, not dominating, but as deep. Or as competitive at the top as, as I'm used to. Oyanatsas and Cortland are sitting second, uh, third, and fourth respectively, but they feel like they're a good step behind the top two. Uh, Poppers, anything to add? Yeah, that Oswego game was a real like grinded out. I think Oswego had 47 points, but also I'm not sure if that was the same Oswego team as right. Oswego is now. I think it's a different Oswego team. I'd agree so with you. I, I, I take. I mean, it's a win over a top 25 team, but at that point in the year, I'm not sure Oswego was a top 25 team. Um, I haven't really much w- watched much of them this year, Brockport, um, but I do know, I, I, I'll watch teams which stick out to me in terms of their results, and they have a lot of close wins against a lot of not great teams. Fair. Which is not a good signal for me in terms of spending my time on watching them. Fair. Um, and also, they're averaging 12 assists and 15 turnovers, which is not good either. Um, but good point. I'll certainly be sure to add them to my radar. Um, obviously, if they beat Oswego, that would be, uh, with the way Oswego's playing now, that would be a, a real difference maker in terms of how they're evaluated in the poll. Coach, are you voting for them or you're not? I, was, I went the exact same way with uh, Dave and the fact that I was like, I got room for Illinois College or Brockport, and Illinois College beat Brockport. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go with Illinois College. Yeah, and, yeah that's pretty much you know, like, that was, yeah. You know, like you said, Brad Stack's like, you know, like whatever. Uh, but I, I think that they're in that, like we talk about the ballot, that like last 10, you could sub in so many teams. It's like crazy. Uh, no, I think they're one of those teams that, like, I would have thought at least maybe somebody would have voted for him. I think, like, I could be wrong, but I think that that Oswego game might be the last regular season Suniac game for both of them. Second to last. Second to last. So, like, that's going to be a long kind of way. So, like, as they take care of business like they should, you know, I I think we're going to get, like, a conference matchup of, like, 15 and one versus 15 and one. And we're going to see who's, who's the, yep. the best is. 
You know? Absolutely. But I agree with Poppers, too. I, I was pretty high in Oswego, though they weren't playing, nor did they have all the pieces like that team I was voting for. They are now, though I have them a little lower. I've tempered a little bit, but other teams have moved ahead of them. I agree. I think the Brockport game is going to be different. By the way, if, if Oswego wins that, both teams will have beaten each other on, on the other court. Uh, let's switch to debatable. Um, Rainiac, we'll go with you. Uh, what's your debatable team, sir? Side now, Oswego. <laughs> so, like, I think. <laughs> oh, I no, this will be quick. I know. I think <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde here. Um, I really think Oswego, like you guys said, I believe is going to be, by the end of the year, a top 10 team. I really believe that because – they are really sound offensively. Um, they they they're like putting their plus twenty a game, like on people. Um, they have kind of a very similar makeup to a Brock board, but what they do, they're um, they're only averaging like ten turnovers a game, so they're very efficient. They take care. They're out rebounding their opponent. Um, they're lost to Brockport by nine. Like you said, like, I think they are two different teams now, you know? And I think like, this is where it's going to be offense versus defense in that league. The kid sparks, you know, six, three guard. And then they got another, uh, six, three guard. That's kind of pairing with them. So like they're taking care of the rock and, and they got some seniors to kind of supplant it. Um, I just think knowing the league, you know, personally and knowing, you know, Coach Leon and, and Coach Dunn, like, I think from what I've seen versus, you know, other conferences, I think that they're an elite team that is going to continue to shift up and up and up because they are playing at such a high-octane level and efficient nonetheless. Yes, Jason? I, I know he's talking about your team. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. I thought you two were buds. I, I don't. I know. Oh, sorry, Jason was calling. Later on. I'll get a text <laughs> later on about about from Greg and, and from, from Jay. But uh, I, I really believe, like, I think, like, literally that conference is literally two teams that are alphas, and then there's a yeah. massive cliff. Yeah, no, agree. Uh, real you quick, know? by the way, uh, Ryan Scott, who's listening in, tweets, uh, I had Brockport 29th on my list this week. I did not vote for them in the pre, but I did vote for them in the preseason poll, and I took crap from Poppers. <laughs> so, so, so he voted. He was he put on Twitter, and this was on I think a Friday night when they played the Brockport Oswego game, so I didn't watch it live. And he posted on Twitter, "See, you know, t- see Poppers, I've been telling you whatever." And then they went out the next day and lost. So I looked I pretty good when I logged back in. That's when you just Saturday don't say night. a word, man. You don't say a word. <laughs> Uh, I don't have anything to add to the Oswego uh, argument because I've said some stuff already. Poppers, anything to add to that? Yeah, ju- just quickly. I'm I'm higher than Rainiac on their defensive capabilities because they do a really good job of running their opponents off the three-point line, yeah. and they shoot really well from three. And it's diff- if you're really good at shooting the three ball, and they're much better this year than they were last year, and oh, you run shooters off the line, then you're just going to be tough to beat. Um, good call. Frankly. Um, and then, I mean... I mean, you brought up Sparks. Kareen also is is so dangerous, and Aki Anderson is a really nice. Just he doesn't turn the ball over, sort of guy. Um, so I wasn't. I think they were five preseason. I wasn't that high on them coming into the year, but they've been playing like a top ten team since they got back from winter break. So okay. I have them at twelve, which I think is a little higher than the poll. 
Yeah, I've definitely got him tempered. I've got him down at 17. But again, there's there's just a, a ton of teams ahead of him that I could mix and match and change six ways to Sunday and never be done. Pat, send it out on Sunday. It starts on Sunday and not be done by the following Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Poppers, what's your debatable? Yeah, my debatable's Calvin. Um, I have him 13. The poll has him 18. That sounds reasonable. I don't think there's so much of a difference. My issue is... They've just been so inconsistent all year, and I think yeah. that's because they're a young team. Yeah, um, they've got like three freshmen, three sophomores, and one senior in the rotation sort of situation. And Jalen Overway is going to be if he sticks around, he is going to be Alex Sobel type dominant come a few years from now. Yeah, very possible. Um, but so so the roster build, if you're looking at the potential, I think they have the pieces to win a national championship down the line if guys stay. The problems for me are. Sometimes they just can't get stops. They turn the ball over way too much, and most of them are live ball turnovers. They make really poor decisions a lot. But when they're rolling, I mean, they beat Hope by 32 points. Um, they beat Oshkosh early in the year. They lost to Whedon, but they were the better team in that game. They beat Shrine by seven, and it wasn't really that close in this past game that they played. But then they had three conference games against bottom of the conference teams, which they won by under 10 points. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't really know what I, I know. I'm dealing with a team which is talented, runs good action, has that national championship potential, if not this year, in the future. But I don't really know where to vote for them this year because one night they're the number five team in the country, the next night they're number 100. Yeah, I actually, their inconsistencies, those close games against teams they should be spanking, uh, and their youth is actually why I'm not voting for them, but they've been yo yoing in and out of my poll. Uh, I, and it, then it just becomes okay, who do I take out? And, and like we say to everybody, by the way, so-and-so should be in the top 25. Okay, who do you take out? And that's where I get right. I get into a, into a challenge. Rainiac, any thoughts? Well, that's exactly it. It's it's the youth. Like, having been there, like, that's it right there. They, they, they haven't learned kind of that, um, you know, the attention to detail where, like, day in and day out you got to focus. And, you know, then you, trip, you get tripped up, you know, against a team you shouldn't have and – Next thing you know, like they don't know any better, so they're knocking off the national champion by 15. That just is the the characteristics of a young team. I think very like like you said, like next year, I wouldn't be shocked if they're like preseason, you know, top 10 and, and all that types of stuff, just because they're more season. But this year, like I don't know what to think of them either because they are yo-yoing. You know, they could be the team that you know kind of makes you know waves in the tournament, and they, or they could be you know. You know, losing four going in, you know, it just is what it is with a young team. But they're so talented, and, and they are well coached. So, like, it's going to be very interesting to see kind of how that plays out. But that's, like, part of, you know, growing and, and getting into the season with a young team. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I All of it. I completely agree with you across the board. Um, And, and I don't think that conference is as competitive as maybe we thought it would be. I, which I don't think is helping the cause. And the trying game was a barometer for them and trying for me. I was mm-hmm. keeping an eye on trying too, waiting for that game to vote. Um, now I'm waiting a little longer for Calvin, but I digress. Um, dubious choice, you know, the one everybody really wants to be on. Um, let's go with Poppers. Poppers, who's your dubious choice? Dave, your segueing tonight is impeccable. Um, I, I have to give, though, I have to give an introduction to this one because I was the first one to jump on the Trine bandwagon two weeks into the year. I was already saying this is a top 25 team. 
I voted for them week one. I think they were Ryan Winnable and one other person voted for them week one. I was the highest of them voting then. I wasn't on them at all coming into the year, but they showed early on that their defensive capabilities were, were there. And I also want to add that there are a lot of other teams that I could have chosen here, but they have all been picked. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm, I want to take an interesting path here because sure. at week one, I thought Trine had a little bit of national championship potential, and right now I'm not seeing it. Uh, and there's there's still a potential there, but they just haven't taken that next step. Um, so I guess just, just to break it down defensively and help um, and, and rotating and keeping their opponents out of the middle, they're very sound. I mean, they're they're... I don't know where the computer rankings have them, but they've got to be one of the top defensive teams in the country uh, when it comes to that. And offensively, that's where things kind of get weird because I like the action that they're running and I like how they share the ball. The problem is the ball never gets to where it needs to go after they run their action. Um, like they have they have the right idea, but they'll without getting too technical, they're doing the right things but the final piece isn't there because anything that they're doing is useless. Meaning the, the stuff that they're running doesn't come to fruition. That's basically what I've seen with them so far. Um, their top three guys against Calvin are went 10 for 42 from the floor. I don't think they're as talented as they were when they were number two, when they went to make it a couple of years ago. Um, obviously Nick Bowman was the main guy on that team. Um, they don't have that sort of talent this year, but because they're so strong defensively, that's what makes them in my eyes a top 25 team. Um, but until they, they kind of put it together offensively and are able to deliver possession in possession out in making their actions count, I don't think they can compete for a national championship. And and frankly, coming into that Calvin game on the on D3 boards, I picked Calvin head to head, even though I had tried and rank at like 20 and it was at Trine's place. Um, cause I just don't see them being able to defeat teams, which are that much talented than them, that, that much more talented than them. Like they, they can beat teams which are as talented as them because they have that defensive capability, maybe a little more talented than them because of the defensive capability, but not that much more talented than them. Um, so that's where I'm standing on trying, which is kind of weird again, because I like them a lot. It's an interesting take. I, I'm not sold on Trine, and I haven't been sold on Trine for a while. So I, I appreciate getting your insight on that, which is polar opposite—not polar opposite, but significantly different than mine. R- M- Raniac, any any follow up on that? I didn't vote for him in, in this year, in this week's top twenty-five poll, um, just because I'm not sold on him. Like I think the coach makes great promos with Bacon Night. I was all about it. <laughs> I was all about it. Agreed. But. <laughs> who doesn't love bacon? Right. He, you know, well, like, well, I well, poppers. <laughs> I mean, all right, fair enough. <laughs> That's great, man. We walked square into that one. Yeah, good call, uh, sir. But uh, I, I really think just for me, the resume just isn't there. You know, it's it's just not there. Um, I want to believe in them. I think they're they they do run good stuff, but. You know, when I'm watching them play versus some of the other teams that I'm watching, I'm looking at, like, who do I put in? Try might be in that group that I'm ranking and things that they might be towards the bottom just because I'm not sold on them. I, I think, like, you put them up against some of the some of the teams we're talking about. Like, I know 
Like, uh, for instance, this week I ranked Naz at 24th. I think Naz could beat them uh, just because Nazareth is, is just a little bit more battle-tested. And it's not, you know, I, I don't know. I just, mm, I'm just not sold on them outside of bacon night. <laughs> I'm all about bacon night. Um, sorry, poppers. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm not sold just as of yet, but I, I enjoy watching them, and I'm glad that the the Mayak's got a different team to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rainiac, um, who's your dubious well, choice? Let's go with St. Thomas of Texas. All right, we don't know what to think about them whatsoever because, I mean, they beat Claremont Mud Scripts. Okay, that's a resume building game. I I was this close to not even ranking Claremont. So I thought it was a better game earlier on in the year. Um, you know, their numbers, quite frankly, I was kind of doing some some research. They were better last year. All the numbers Fair. across the board were better last year. Fair. From stat-wise, everything. Um, their conference, all of their uh, conference uh, stats, you know, you know, have gone down since they're out of conference. And, and now we have a good... They, they're 10 games into their conference. So, like, we have a good sample size. Kind of very similar poppers, how you were talking about with Brockport. They have an 11 assist to 14 turnovers. That's not good. Not good whatsoever. Um, I think they all have – I was looking at kind of their roster, kind of figure out, like, they're all 6'5 and below except for one 6'10 kid, which means, you know, being a coach myself, those kids are all 6'3 and below. <laughs> so, so like they're not, you know, you played the roster. So I know that they're very balanced. I'll give that's good, but when you have that balance as a team, when it comes down to when you're in a dog fight, you don't know who the alpha is when it comes down to who's going to take that shot, and that's where, in my experiences, I've lost some big games because we were balanced. But then all of a sudden we got the freshman who averages the exact same points as a senior, and the minute he gets the ball, he's hucking it from half court versus, you know, it's just there's no, I think when you have that level of balance, um, it can be good and it can be bad. And not for nothing, geographically, they're not tested like against the rest of the nation. Well, and so to like be I, honest, um, yeah. Trinity didn't turn out to be the team that we thought it was going to be, mainly because they lost their best player. So exactly. that's that's been a barometer that's done tough. I've got them square in the middle of my ballot, and uh, yep. that's about as high as I want to put them, which means teams are, are going around them, which happened this week. Um, and they're going to keep winning. They're going to keep winning because, like they you are. said, Trinity was our one test against them, and now their their best player went down. I, I feel terrible, but like now – like those are those wins that would have been, you know, good for St. Thomas. You know, aren't as good, and same with Trinity. Like you know, like they're that that stinks. So it's kind of very difficult to kind of, you know, put put them. I have them at sixteen, kind of like you, and they're going to probably stay there the rest of the year until I can can have some sort of, you know, win loss whatever, blow a team out by forty. I don't know. Poppers, any uh, thoughts? Yeah, I'm very similar to you on this one. There's not, they don't have a guy, which makes it make sense that they are so focused defensively because that's really that's their bread and butter. Um, which 
in and of itself kind of makes them worthy of being a top 25 team. I think I had them up to like 18 at one point because they were killing Shriner and Trinity. And then I dropped them out because they had all these close games against Austin and Dallas and Letourneau and they lost Arden Simmons. I'm like, okay, bye. And then they, since then they've, they found their groove a little bit. So I put them back in. I have my 20, but I've been lower on them than the polls been all year. Um, and yeah, they just, they don't really run anything offensively. So it's, it's tough to score a lot of points when you don't run stuff. Um, but, I think their margin of victory is really small, like maybe yeah. four or five points. So to be like at that record, like you could flip that the other way. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like when it's that margin, that slim, all of a sudden we're not ranking them whatsoever. And they're a massy like 300 range, you know, yeah. like if they lose all those. So yeah, like they've, they've got, been on the right side of the coin a lot of times. Yeah. And they have that Claremont win, which was one possession. And I think, um, do they beat East Texas Baptist? Also yeah. by one by one possession early in the year, and then they beat um, maybe the, the Claremont game might have been two possessions, but either way, they beat Texas Dallas by five also, and um, I have I have Texas Dallas twenty six. So these are all good wins, but like I said, I'm not I'm not a good win type of guy, and they haven't been destroying any of these teams. They're just these close games. You know, they get they nip a team by a couple of possessions here, and then they underperform against another team. I don't I don't have much to add. They're to playing they're saying. playing against their competition, and that's that's a recipe for disaster. Well, they're playing that's to their level. Recipe. They're playing yep. down to their, their competition, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, it's all valid points. I mean, I've had them there. They kept floating up because others were not getting it done. And uh, in a, a week or two ago, I know I kind of said, okay, at some point there's a ceiling here. And I know I've been a crit- criticized about ceilings before uh, by many. Uh, I know I had a ceiling on Benedictine, despite the fact they were undefeated and everyone gave me hell about it. But, you know, at some point, I can't go any higher, and at this point, I'm actually the air is coming out a little bit. So I agree with I agree with you guys. Hey, really appreciate it. Um, great chat. Uh, good insight on some of these. I know it gets a little tougher as we get to this point in the season. We don't want to repeat uh, selections. I actually put a Google file together, and I know I may have taken the wind out of some of the sales doing that. Um, but I noticed we repeated Claremont month scripts two weeks in a row. And I'm like, we get we got to do something about this. But I uh, appreciate the insight, guys. Any final thoughts? Uh, Pops, uh, Poppers, we'll start with you. Any final thoughts uh, as we head uh, into the final five weeks of this? Yeah, this is kind of the time of year where some of that eye test stuff has to go out the window. Um, you know, no matter how good you look to me on the screen, if you're not winning your conference games, I can't respect you. Um, so I'm kind of at that that turning point right now in, in, when it comes to the calendar. Um, but I... Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not on the exact same board as as some others here where I oh you know there are 50 teams who come in a national championship you know and I could see number 40 winning just as much as number 10. Um, I think there are a few teams which have solidified themselves, but I don't see that one big dog out there. No, there isn't that one team which has stuck out to me yet. Agreed. Um, so I, I think I think things are going to be pretty open this year. Saint Joseph might be the closest to it, but it's not an overwhelming thing. It's just that they're the last one undefeated. Yeah. Yeah, and they've and they've done a better job in their recent games of hammering teams. Yeah, um, but even they had a small stretch where they were barely beating these, with all due respect, not very good teams. I agree. Conference, I agreed to the point where I actually thought they might take a, a blemish. That's about the one time I would punish someone for taking a blemish in conference. Um, certainly not NESCAC or other conferences. Raniac, your your final thoughts. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I think, like, Albertus Magnus would have been the closest test. And they took care of business there. They're not going to be tested the rest of the way. 
Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think if I'm taking St. Joseph, Connecticut versus, you know, Oswego, like I have St. Joseph, Connecticut one, Oswego 18. I could totally see Oswego winning that game. Yep. Totally. Because they're, they're kind of comprised the same way. They have the same athleticism, the, the same, you know, kind of style that they play. I could totally see Oswego being that. So it's going to be interesting um, to see. Um, I think the bottom half of the bracket is still going to be so fluctuating. This year, like I agree with you guys, there's no really big dog where you're like, holy smokes, they're going to go like 30-2 and two and like uh, blow everybody out. It's just not that year. Like wa- like there are years where I coached where Wash U was that. You could see Wash U being yep. as good and they won national titles. Or an Amherst. Or, uh, you know, you can go kind of down the line, but it's just one of those years where it's just, you know, everybody, you know, it's a lot of parody. We always talk about it. Um, the other thing is, is I want a letter jacket from the Laverne coach. <laughs> yeah, right? And, yep, those are sweet, dude. Yes. Um, maybe that's maybe that's why I had some transfers in my program. I didn't offer him a letter jacket. And then, and then, the, then the third thing is, Alex Sobel, you're going to have a great pro career. Come with us, play with D3 in this summer. So I look forward to having you in shop block in the middle. Uh, you need That's to make it. some phone calls, sir. That's all I've got to say. Expectations right. are high for that three D3 team, I'm just saying. Don't worry. I'm, I'm working behind the scenes. Don't worry. you, you got to quit showing off guys in, in that in that one game you've been getting and then see them all transfer to other programs in that tournament. That's all I'm saying. That's that's what I'm noticing. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that oh, I, I will talk about behind. Uh, but I there's know. a lot of allegiances. We we, we, we run deep. But, um, no, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of where we're at. We'll get into it later, but a lot of good things. I think regardless, Alex Sobel is playing oh. like the player of the year. And I, I no, think he really he's, is. Going to, he's going to um, just the demeanor of what he plays – a six-eight guy diving on the floor—that is scary. When he's playing with that level of intensity, that is scary because basically, you know, if you're one of those like little shrimps kind of around there, you're going to get rocked. So like he's he's been playing aggressive. So I'm looking forward to seeing him his career because he's gonna he's the type of kid that can have a pro career for like ten years if he took care of his body the right way. Which he, if he which breaks he out like the he knee pads, go running. That's all I'm yes. saying. You you. Don't bother suiting up. <laughs> guys, really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks. Really appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. Be well. Mike Raniak and uh, Akiva Poppers joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, part of our top 25 panel for, to, for tonight. Um, I was going to take a break, but we're so late. I'm just going to wrap things up at this point. Um, great show. Great segments. Great um, – conversations to be had to say the least it was a fun show look forward to uh, continuing this throughout the rest of the season a reminder we will be on the air on this thursday at one o'clock eastern we will have both national committee chairs on the show sarah quadraki on the men's side and meg wilson on the women's side they will be on together we will talk about the uh what's ahead for both men and women uh any nuances between the two, of course, the women are playing 
uh, in Dallas for the national championship this year, which means Trinity, Connecticut, who's the host of the semifinals, will only have the semifinals. So we'll talk to both of them about those nuances, anything that we should know about in terms of regional rankings, which are around the corner, believe it or not. The first ones will come out on February 8th. Uh, actually, February 7th for the men, February 8th for the women. Uh, and any questions that you may have. So make sure you get us questions. You can email them. That's the best way to get them to us. Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. That is Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. That's, so that's Thursday's show. We'll also have some other guests as well. But they'll be in the first hour of that show. Um, and so we look forward to that. Also, big uh, announcements on the show in terms of programming. Obviously, we have uh, announcement as we get closer to the marathon. We'll have announcements when we get closer to Selection Sunday and Matchup Monday and all of that. But uh, stay with us. There's uh, some big announcements coming uh, on top of that. If And I mean this seriously, folks. I don't say this tongue-in-cheek. But if you'd like to sponsor, advertise, if you'd like to um, donate, um, contribute, uh, partner, invest, whatever in this show, please get a hold of us as well. Uh, we are going to be setting up something, I hope, for the uh, for the final month for everybody who has contacted us. Also, on top of that, we're going to have one more hopeful run at, a, at T-shirts. We're coming up with some new designs to see if any of you want to dive in on those ideas. They all help benefit the program. So that will be coming as well. Uh, lots of stuff. So stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can follow us on uh, Instagram as well at D3Hoopsville there. Um, we just haven't been using it as much to promote the show due to the challenge with links. Um, but we may get back to that here in the final five weeks of the show. But, of course, you can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. Mark, thanks for tuning in. really appreciate it. Aunt BJ, yourself, she's one of our biggest fans. We always like to give her some love. Travis says, how does the C2C get away with playing so few league games? Travis, there's no rules in anywhere in the NCAA that I'm familiar that uh, you must play a certain amount of conference games. That just does not exist. Uh, that's why that That's why that. Uh, is what it is. They're not the first by any stretch of the imagination. There's the now defunct, was it ACAA? What was the name of that conference? Basically what merged with the old CAC that created the C2C. Um, but really, if, if the if the UAA wanted to, I'm just randomly picking the UAA. If the UAA wanted to, they could say, listen, we're not playing any conference games. Uh, instead, we're going to be novel. We're just going to have a conference tournament at the end of the regular season. Uh, that way it cuts down on, on the mandatory travel that we all must make across the country. And so at the end of the season, all of us will get together. We'll determine our seedings based on top 25s, Massey, and some other concoction. And we'll play out for an AQ that way. Okay. That's what they can do. There's no rules against how many conference games have to be played. Understand, that's a disadvantage to the C2C. There's a disadvantage in multiple ways. First off, you have to schedule your entire 25-game schedule. There isn't a chunk, let's say two-thirds on average, that is already taken care of for you. Most coaches know that two-thirds of their schedule is done by a conference office. They will receive it. If there's any issues, they'll certainly take care of those on an individual basis. But that's it. Now they're scheduling the other third or a quarter or whatever. There are some in the NESCAC who have to obviously schedule more than that. It's a little bit more flipped. In the C2C, for the vast majority of those teams, pretty much all of them, they have to schedule every single game, period. So that's a huge disadvantage. And if you're a school like Christopher Newport, you can't go and just play anybody as much as you'd like to. 
you have to craft a schedule that's going to be very good when the conversations come to at large. It comes to hosting. It comes to positioning yourself in the bracket. So that's that. They're actually making it harder on themselves. Um, but let's be honest. They're not going to play a conference schedule. They're not going out to Santa Cruz. They're not going to mandate that everybody go out to Santa Cruz to play a game. They're not going to mandate Santa Cruz travel to everybody else to play a game. So there's no rules against it. There's there's no rules anywhere that I know of in the NCAA, and I could be wrong. Now, conferences could have rules about certain things, but as a division and as a bylaw of the NCAA, that does not exist. The conferences are allowed to create a conference that they want as long as the parameters of the conference are fit fit whatever the division rules are on conferences. And scheduling is never, that I'm aware of, been a part of that conversation, ever. So they're not getting away with anything. They're, they're making it harder on themselves. And then they will have a conference tournament. It's at a predetermined site on the men's side. It's at Mary Washington, or actually... Maybe it's the women's sides at Mary Washington. I'm not sure where the men's is this year. Maybe it's at both, but I've forgotten. Um, and they'll determine who's going to that based on whatever they determine. Um, so you you may think they're getting away with it, but they're not. They're not getting away with anything, and it's hard. That's a very difficult thing. The other thing, too, now is Christopher Newport has played – hold on, I'm checking my top 25 here. They have played 20 games already. We have five weeks left in the season. And they will play five or six, maybe seven more games total with two or three of them coming in the final week. So for Christopher Newport, we actually will call up their schedule right now. Christopher Newport men, right now, play 20 games. They will play on the they will play on the 28th against Salisbury. That's in five days. Their last game was seven days ago. So they're going 12 days between games between Eastern Nazarene and Salisbury. Their next game after that is three days later against Mary Washington. Those are former CAC members, all part of the same group. Then... Three days later, they happen to have a home game against UC Santa Cruz. Then a week later, they'll play a, a game against Salisbury. And four days after that, they'll play Mary Washington. All conference opponents, by the way. But that's it. They have five games left in their schedule between now and the 15th of February. And then they'll play a conference tournament. That's tough. That is, that's doing it the very hard way. So no dis- I understand where you're coming from, Travis, but they're not getting away with anything. They still have to earn the AQ, and the conference determines how they earn the AQ. They're going to have to play a conference tournament. And then those teams are at large who don't get the AQ, and that's that's a difficult challenge if you're an at-large out of that conference. Um, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate the shout-out. Jeff McKinney joining us here on the show, or on, on our Facebook group. Um, let's see here. Trying to see if there was something else. Um, appreciate everybody who was on the show tonight. Julie Folks from Transfer. By the way, I noticed back here, I forgot to get my son to, to update it because I forgot the new top 25 was out. So it says 11, Middlebury. They're all already up to five. This shows you the difference in when we get things done here. But uh, from Transylvania, Julie Folks was great to have her on the show. It was great to have uh, Jason Pruitt from Laverne, from Montclair, Justin Potts, and from Middlebury, um, Alex Sobel. The head coach of Middlebury is Jeff Brown. Have you all figured out what the key of J is? Julie Folks, Jason Pruitt, Justin Potts, Jeff Brown. All first names starting with J happen to work out that way. All of a sudden I looked down at my list and went, oh, they all have J's. We pivoted to Alex Sobel after 
Uh, well, when we sent the email, but after I had determined who we were going to have, I basically said, is Jeff Brown or Alex Sobel available? That's how that, that progressed. Um, so that's where the J's came from. That's why we had some fun with the letter J tonight. I'm surprised no one picked up on that or at least tweeted or emailed us about it. Thursday, again, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Then next Monday, we'll be back on the air, 7 o'clock Eastern time. The marathon's coming up on February 2nd. We'll hit the air about noon, I think, on that day. But again, more information to come. Uh, Thursday shows huge with the committee. Apparently, there's some news between now and then. Maybe we'll even see. Actually, you should tr- check now. Maybe we'll finally see the women's handbook. I know we've been patiently waiting for that to be released. Um, and we move our way slowly and steadily in that direction with a lot of things. As we are literally five weeks away. Five weeks from tonight, we'll know who is in the NCA tournament. Um, and who is um, not, for lack of a better description. So um, looking forward to seeing how all that plays out uh, because there's a lot between now and then of, of how it's going to play out. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to get to the committee's home because I just want to see if the women's um, thing has been released yet. I think I clicked on – hold on, let's try this. Yeah, I clicked on the wrong link. I got into an area I didn't want to. Um, um, here, oh, here it is. Sorry, I was, I, I, I didn't look far enough to find the link I wanted. Here it is. We'll call up the women's basketball. Um, I don't, I'm not expecting their handbook to be in there. I know there were some errors in it. They were trying to clean up, and they had a deadline of the 31st and open. Oh no, it's out. New championship uh, manual is out on the women's side. So there you go. It is out, and so both men's and women's uh, handbooks are out. Pre-championship handbooks are out, so you can peruse those as you see fit. And there you go. Uh, also, thank to the big to the SIDs who helped out. I know uh, SID week technically goes through Tuesday, um, but David Jordan um, at uh, at Laverne, um, Allie at Middlebury. Uh, thanks to your help, everybody for for that. That was wonderful. Uh, also, Casey at Transylvania, thank you for your help. And Patrick uh, at Montclair State, I want to thank him for his help and their staffs for their assistance in helping us with the show tonight. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, and it's uh, great to uh, great to work with all the sports information director, athletic communication uh, directors out there across Division Three as we try and do our show and do our work. For that... We'll wrap things up. We'll be back on Tuesday, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Look forward to having you and talking to the committee chairs. Remember, get your emails in if you have questions. We'll try and get to them if at all possible. You've been listening to Hoops presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Major thank yous to the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, along with D3Hoops.com and Blue Frame Technology, along with Huddle. Appreciate their assistance with our program. And we hope you enjoyed it. And thanks to you fans for tuning in and enjoying it with us. Remember, if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen or watch Hoopsville. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you have a great evening. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll see you on Thursday.